beer sound. That was a good sounding beer crack. All right. Uh, hello, Internet. My name is Sean Michael Patrick Thompson, as always, your host of Drink to the Past, the only podcast where we have a ubiquitous opening monologue before we get drunk and talk about video games. Unless, of course, we got drunk earlier that afternoon, but that's a different conversation for another day. That's our new uh, segment of the podcast where I have a ubiquitous opening monologue. Do you like it? It's perfect. I love it. All right. Excellent. Sweet. Uh, and, of course, today I am joined by three very wonderful guests. We got, of course, returning our good buddy Crowbird. Crow's always here. I'm talking about never been here. First time. <laughs> right, yeah. Something like that. Uh, and returning again is uh, Mr. Shabazzle himself. That's right. Hello. It's it's very nice to be back. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, anytime. And uh, first time guest is uh, the lovely Skip, according to Twitter. Hey. It is an honor and a privilege. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. And, of course, we now have uh, gameplay all the time, so we're going to have a fun time with uh, Sonic 06. So I haven't played this game since probably 06 or so. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm probably going to be even worse than I usually are. Uh, Oh, what are what are these? I, I haven't... love these hard drive names. Yeah, <laughs> I. Warp Star. I think the Warp Star. Star was my. Let's see. No save data exists. Okay. So I think I guess... this is probably the worst thing to come out of the year two thousand and six. That is possible. All right. Ooh, there is multiplayer in this game. I didn't even know that. All right. So, anyways, uh, Sonic. There's different characters in this game. I forgot that too. Oh, oh yeah, boy. I guess there's Knuckles later. I remember vaguely oh, playing. You don't even I had a know. lot of trouble with Knuckles. Now that I remember it, I'm like, <laughs> there's quite a few. Yeah, characters. yeah. I remember back in 2006, this game looked freaking amazing, and that was its redeeming quality. Like these cutscenes for 2006 cut are, are like really good. <laughs> I mean, they all look right. good now. Yeah, that looks pretty, pretty good. Cinema. I Sometimes like how we all start great. complimenting it, and then I push start and skip it. <laughs> ah, screw you, cutscene. All right. Uh, You're so... going to be on the floating screen for the next 12 minutes, so... Yeah. That's where it's behind us. Oh, God. Well, I'm, yep. okay. I'm helping her, apparently. <laughs> Anyways, let's get into uh, the first segment of the podcast. Is called What You Playing. So in What You Playing, we just talk about what we've been playing uh, lately, the past week or so. Uh, so... Um, I mentioned this a little bit last week, but I got into it a little more this week. I've been playing the Turing Test on uh, xCloud, which is really cool because uh, the streaming quality is like a billion times better than Stadia. <laughs> so that's that's just wonderful. And of course, a little bit of Mario All-Stars here and there and a little bit of Doom Eternal earlier today. I got the chance to finally... I haven't played that nearly as much as I want to, because I'm just like, ah, my kids are awake, and they're too young for gore and explosions. What do I do? I can identify. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's been kind of interesting. Uh, what you guys been up to? Who wants to go first? Um, uh, I'll... Talk to people. I'll start. Go um, ahead. I've been playing Xenoblade Chronicles... Two, okay. Which I played through that game. I'm on the Switch, 
Um, I'm enjoying it, but I'm discovering that it's probably not the best game choice for myself because I'm not getting anywhere. Like, I'm just, I just keep getting distracted. Mm -hmm. Just stuck on side quests and exploring and stuff? Like, every time I run into a character, they're like, please help me. And I say, yes, make it a main side quest. And then I forget about it. Mm-hmm. And then I keep running, you know, it's like, oh, sparkly little thing. And I'm always digging everything up. And then I and then I die. And then I do the whole, I start over. I'm just going around in a circle. But I'm, I'm enjoying it. So, like, I was talking to Kevin this past week. And I've come to the conclusion that maybe my kind of gaming is maybe I don't I don't beat every game but right. if I'm having fun then it's okay so that's been what I've been playing lately all right and it's a good time yeah I generally had fun with uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 um, it's certainly the kind of game that I feel like you either get into it or you don't um, what did you think of the character design? Uh, the character design, I liked it okay enough to kind of get through. I wasn't, like, crazy about it. I feel like most of them were generally just kind of a little bit too much generic anime characters. Too generic, yeah. 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 And, like, none of them were, like, terrible, but, like, none of them really stand out beyond being, you know, ge- generic anime characters. Right. Lifting off a million words a second. Mm-hmm. That MPC. Sorry, that was just a little footnote there. Yeah, mostly what got me going through Xenoblade Chronicles 2 was really just the lore and the world building in the game was mm. really just fascinating to find, you know, because the idea of, you know, all these, uh, you know, basically countries that had been founded on the backs of, you know, these behemoth giant Living beasts. creatures! Yeah. I, yeah, that blew my mind when I, like, I figured like, that out. Dude, this is so awesome. And just the, a lot of the kind of history behind the world and what's going on in the politics of everything uh, really gets pretty interesting. But, uh, I, but so that that's kind of what kept me going, was not so it, much the characters as it was just, uh, the history and, and all that kind of fun stuff. Embarrassingly enough, it took me, like, probably too long to figure out that uh-huh. it was, like, a living creature. Right. <laughs> Did not expect that. <laughs> I feel like this area is, like, really tiny, and I have no idea where to go already. This game is terrible. I don't this think they do you same. a lot of favors I... on telling you where to go, too. Yeah. And it, there's just construction everywhere. It's just these dudes in hats telling me I can't go there. Fuck you guys. Dickheads. And this guy. You're like the one character I've found so far that I can't talk to. Ah, I knocked out your newspaper. Imagine if we all ran like Sonic. Right. Just the... Just kick yourself in the ass while you're He's like doing the Naruto run. <laughs> yeah, the Naruto run. <laughs> or the Hyrule Warriors run. run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Lana. The Lana run. Yeah. And it gets a little bit of a skip with it, too. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right. Um, Kevin, what you been playing? I've been playing uh, the latest Path of Exile uh, League. Mm-hmm. The Height League. 
Um, I just got a character up to level 70. I have not played this game in a, in a hot minute. Um, it's, it's been a good while, so it's been fun to like break back into that game. Mm-hmm. I also uh, played through the uh, Black Eagle's house in Fire Emblem Three Houses. Nice. That is the correct house to play through. Correct house. <laughs> I picked a winner. Yeah. Oh, man. My, oh, my choices for picking that house was just like, all right, eagles for the logo. Like, all right, they're not purple. Red's good enough. That was like my whole psyche behind picking the house. I could have I could have picked right? any of them. I was ready to flip. Uh, I wasn't totally sure because like I sort of like started looking into the politics and the characters and everything. But I was like, at the end of the day, you got your leaders are two pretty boys or a chick with a giant axe. And I'm like. These, these pretty boys are not not my type. It was like... I didn't really do too much, like, investigating either. I'm not I sure just... how I got into this minigame. <laughs> I talked to a guy. I thought I was picking up a side quest or something. Now I'm running through rings. What the fuck's going on? I didn't read the text. Him. <laughs> I got you thinking about Fire Emblem 3. I, I blame Kevin. You got me thinking Kevin. about good games. What a douche. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Got some of them. I don't think there's there's been too much well, else that I'm I've been playing through though. Nice. Uh, you were good. playing Over Overwatch. I was playing Overwatch. Yeah, I played that. That was another game I had gotten back into. I was playing that on stream. Uh, that that was a good time. Who's nice. your main? A Lucio. Nice. I love Lucio. Hey, I apparently um, won. Nice. Can, you got the rings. Yeah, I guess. Proud of you. I'll pat myself on the back. <laughs> uh, Crow, what you been playing? Uh, Chithi, I've been playing Risk of Rain a lot. Trying oh, yeah. to 100% the second one. So, it's it's both fun and infuriating. It's, you can lose at the drop of a hat. Mm-hmm. That's uh, difficulties for sure, yeah. Sometimes yeah. I've had that kind of game design and it can be very frustrating. Then a little, you know. Ooh, I got a Mario D. I'm so event. great. Yeah, Risk of Rain 2 is pretty awesome. Uh, that's a game I have to get back into. Nice. I haven't heard of this game. I it's think a... I might have told you about it once, very, very late at night. Have you seen. <laughs> and, like, never brought it up again. <laughs> have you sounds seen or played. That sounds about right. Finding um, of Isaac? Do you know that one? I do know uh, that game. Yeah. I don't have. Uh, I, I own it, and I've never played it. It's very similar. Less, you know, third person okay. shooter E, but same principle. It's a roguelike indie. Fantastic. Have you played Risk of Rain 1? I have not. I own it's it on Switch. Cool. Okay, yeah. It's only on PC, I think. Or they might have it somewhere else, too. Uh, if think, you buy Risk of Rain 2. If, if you buy Risk of Rain 2 on any of the consoles, uh, the first one comes with the game. Oh, okay. I didn't even know it was on console. I played that game, like, way back. <clears throat> um, Risk of Rain 2 is a pretty faithful, like, recreation of the first game, but in <clears throat> 3D. Which is kind of awesome when you think about it. They've definitely done a fantastic well. job. Oh, yeah. I'm looking it up right now. I think the oh, game is a survival game. Yeah. 
you can have up to four players too, which just makes it harder. <laughs> can you do four player local though, or it's only two player local? Uh, you know, I'm not sure. I would assume you could do four player local. That's the the tricky thing that we kind of run into right now is like having the ability to do like a mix and match of a couple of like have a few people local and then another person online or two people online. Mm -hmm. um, that way we can kind of like pair up. But it, uh, some games like don't specify it or they'll just say like, yep, we have multiplayer and it's like, I don't know, what does that mean? Can you mix and match? Mm -hmm. like, I would assume as long as you're both on separate PCs, then I mean, you're golden. For yeah. a while I was living with two other people and the three of us plus another guy out in Philly, we were able to all play together, no problem. Alright. Oh, that's yeah, that's really, that's perfect. The, uh, the graphics look beautiful. Oh, yeah. It's a gorgeous yeah, game. Does it look as good as Sonic 06? Mm, no, nothing. nothing compares. No, yeah. nothing <laughs> compares. Close, but not quite. I have to say, you're doing very well. Am I? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Like, this that game is will... high praise. Yeah, this, this game will beat you up. I, I spend a lot of time not in this Ah, there's a robot, he's to trying to kill me. Where the, where the fuck did that guy come from? Is, <laughs> is people trying to kill me now? I just teleported to a new <laughs> he was, world. He was mad that you I'm like, his, uh, his I'm used boxes. to teleporting to yeah. new worlds in Mario 64, and like, most people are friendly, and even if they're not friendly, they're just like walking around. They're not like fucking robots trying to shoot the shit out of you. What the hell? I love how Kevin just said you were doing good, and then you get murdered by a robot. <laughs> You've jinxed me. <laughs> Getting hit once in Sonic is okay. If you got a ring, you're good. Getting hit twice, not so fun. Mm -hmm. Right. Sonic's only as good as his last ring. Sounds like uh, football. <laughs> I always it say when I'm playing Magic, the only life that matters is the last one. <laughs> oh, Alright. What did I just do? I actually did play some magic um, this uh, this past weekend too. Nice. It was a really good time. Played some commander games. Sweet. Played some new decks. All right. So shall we get into our news and booze segment? Hell yeah! Sure. News, news and booze, booze is always fun. So uh, first we have to uh, do a couple of things because I. Uh, Chris told me last week that he wouldn't be able to do the podcast this week, and I totally forgot about it until yesterday, and I was like, oh shit, I forgot to get guests. So uh, luckily I got <laughs> several of you at the last minute, but I was like, I, I <laughs> really wanted people to come on because there's so much news is partially why I wanted people to come on. So I told everybody that uh, for every one of you that comes on that I would take a shot. So I got to do my shots now. So uh, Kevin, I got 10 cup whiskey for you. All right, that sounds uh, like me. Plus one for you get Rebel Stoke else. spiced whiskey. Mmm, sweeter than I remember it. And uh, Crow, you get Blade and Bow bourbon. Ooh, that, that was so sweet. Thank you. And um, there was one guest that said he couldn't come, Chips but. Yeah, that was our good buddy Chips and Sticks. He's been on the podcast once before. So check out his YouTube channel. Look up Chips, C-H-I-P-Z, the letter N, S-T-I-X. 
Chips and Sticks. Uh, he's a cool guy and uh, does uh, unboxing videos and tips and tricks and gaming stuff in general. So he's a he's an awesome guy, and he told me I could drink one for him anyway, even though he wasn't coming on. And I said, consider it drunk. Yeah. All right. Now I'm going to need a chaser, so my beer of the week this week is Left Hand Brewing Company Galactic Cowboy Nitro Imperial Stout. Um, so Chris is uh, often has the Left Hand Nitro Milk Stout on the podcast. It's one of his good go-tos. It's, it's a good go-to beer around here because you can find it, like, just in the grocery store because, you know, it's that's that's how Colorado works now. Um, so I'm super excited to try this. I have not had this one. I like most nitro beers, and I love every Imperial Stout in the world. So cheers to you. I got my badass Guinness glass, too. Cheers. Is it sacrilege to drink another stout out of a Guinness glass? Uh, <laughs> no, Only if you say it's better. I'll give you the average pass. I mean... There's a lot of stats better than Guinness, but, uh, you know, I, li I like Guinness because it's, it's, you know, another, it's a good go-to that's available, you know, at basically every place you go is nice thing about Guinness, uh, but it's there's a lot of better cheap. stats out. Yeah, and it's, it's pretty yeah. cheap, so. Cheers. It's different drinking a night Feels good. So dark. Mm. Look at that color. Super creamy. Uh, obviously, because the nitro will do that, the texture is just super like i feel like i could just chug this right now and that would be bad because it's like nine percent and i just took four shots so <laughs> oh in like nope, 15 no, minutes no, when no, all that no, sets no. in we'll be talking about the news and booze <laughs> and it'll be fucking hilarious i hope <laughs> hmm. awesome beer uh kevin what you drinking so i i have a little bit left um i poured a, a hefty amount of gin in here some new Amsterdam gin All right. and a little uh, Diet Coke to mix that huh. down. Gin and Diet Coke. Wouldn't have thought of that. It works. I kind of just like mad scientist a few things in, so there's like a little seltzer in here too. Okay. Yeah, I'm not generally much of a gin guy, but every now and then I'll have one with something and it's uh, not too bad. Every now and then I'll have a gin I really like, but it's, it's kind of few and far between. Yeah, gin's a good time. I've been trying to um, break the the beer habit a bit, and it's um, it's just nice. Less, less Breaking sugar, it up less a little calories. bit. Yeah, mix mix it up too. Get Apparently, the, uh, Sonic can't moment. swim. Every time I have to die on stream, I take a drink. I think I think that's a fair rule, right? If you're sure, drinking along at home, you can drink with us now. Mm. Drink. <laughs> Um, Skip, what you drinking? Tonight I am drinking um, Seagram's Extra Dry Gin. Um, this was the first uh, drink that Kevin ever bought for me. And I'm drinking it tonight. Uh, up, um, drinking it straight with uh, a Zevia on the side. Old chaser. It's good stuff. I think I've had too much already, but this is, this is fine. We gotta get you the good stuff here. We gotta get you that um, drum shambo gunpowder gin. That stuff is the best. Well, you know, you know, Kevin, when you buy me the cheap gin, you know, at, you know, it's it's what it's a, it, it's what sticks. You know, you, you started me off on you started me off on the cheap stuff. That's fine. <laughs> 
I'm a cheap date. I'm a cheap date. What can I say? <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I'll, I'll class you up with the um, the top the top shelf. You gym. started. You started the bar off real well. Nice. You're smart. You got to so, increment the gin. Yeah. You got to start from the bottom so that when you get to the top shelf, that you you appreciate where you started from. Yeah. For every Seagrams, there's Tanqueray. I always have a soft spot for Seagrams. Seagrams is is actually, I mean, it's it's a it's not like you know, your um, your house gin. It's um, it's a cheaper, it's an affordable gin, just like New Amsterdam, which I, which I'm having now. Um, but it's it's not bad. It's really not bad. I think I prefer it over New Am Amsterdam, really. Yeah. I mean, nothing beats the the gunpowder, even though it's like it, it's a little lighter. Mm -hmm. um, but it's good. There's nice. like, um, we've, we've spoken about this where you have like, you get like the cheapo stuff, but it like, it really, it really hits you better, right? Yeah. Like, like uh, what was it, Ryan's whiskey? Uh, Ryan's, um, Irish cream, uh, Irish, uh. Ah, shit. Yeah. I fell in a hole again. As, a, as, a, as opposed to Bailey's. It's like the better Bailey's is, is Ryan's. Nice. Yeah, because you, cause you can actually Sasha. taste. You can actually taste. What the, the fuck uh, did I do? Alcohol. What did I do? All right. It's all nice. glitch. <laughs> I got there stuck. Goes. What this the is shit? Sonic after four shots. Let's just keep it. <laughs> I'm falling. I think I almost like fell. Okay. You're you're actually doing pretty good. Sonic's been drinking tonight as well. <laughs> yeah, come on, go home, Sonic. You're drunk. Give me Sonic Adventure in this shit. Did. I don't have a capture card that can take in anything but HDMI, so... <laughs> Sonic! Sonic, what have you been drinking? Fuck! How do I... <laughs> I can't water. get off that island. He's Why can't I go to that island water. if I can't get off of it? What a dumb fucking island. Fuck you, island. Can't you Why do, like, a dash attack? Uh, I... I, I guess I, I ran out of lives. I think I have to drink again for that. Yeah, oh, you're back at the cutscene now. We're all with you. Oh, wait. Did it not save any of that? Do I have to start all over? Fuck. If you die, yeah, if you die at the beginning like this and you didn't hit a save point, right I had a checkpoint? Fuck you, game. Fuck you. How embarrassing. We're getting all. And now I gotta skip like three cutscenes just to actually start playing, and then I gotta do the weird minigame again where the guy talks about my shoes? Yes. Wow. Alright, well, uh,. This is an awkward moment, so uh, let's uh, use it to segue to Crow. What you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking some Bailey's Irish cream with a uh, little chocolate milk. Ooh, we were Heck just talking yeah. bad shit about Bailey's. I'm cheap. <laughs> Heck yeah. But yeah, actually, Bailey's I don't mind too much. I found out I was out of Bailey's earlier today, and I was like, that's kind of lame. Okay, where's that dude? Wasn't he right here? Fuck that dude. The thing somewhere. about Bailey's is it's so, it's so sweet. Like, it, you can't even, you can't taste the alcohol. Yeah. Oh, first I have to talk to Tails in this cutscene that I have to skip. Yeah, fuck yeah, you, Tails. I'm, I've never been a big man, like, big fan of, uh, like, super alcohol tasting drinks, so. Mm -hmm. I sure. like Bailey's, and I like, you know, Long Island iced tea and Captain Morgan's, Ooh, yeah. things like that. Right. Long Island represent, that's, that's <laughs> where we are at right now. Nice. See, like my We're my Irish coffee, tea. my Irish coffee is I just take whiskey and coffee and I just put it together. 
<laughs> I do that when I'm camping all the time. I'm just like, what kind of alcohol do we have? <laughs> we got rum, whiskey, just shove it in my coffee. Shut up. Close like enough. Sounds good enough. Like, mmm, love syrup. Nice. Love all syrup. right. Uh, so, uh, what do y'all rate your drinks on a scale of 3 to 17? Uh, first, let me go first, because I had a lot. So, tin cup, rye <laughs> whiskey, I'm gonna give a, uh, 13 out of 17. It's not as good as the regular tin cup. Rebel Stoke Spiced, I'm gonna give a 14 out of 17. That Ooh. is pretty good shit. Uh, Blade and Bow is, uh, 16 out of 17. This is my favorite fucking bourbon. Damn. And good old Jim Beam is just fine, 10 out of 17. And, uh, this Galactic Cowboy Nitro Imperial Stout. Let me give it one more. Mm. Good go. Mm. Silky as hell. That is good. Um... It's all in the mouthfeel, though. It's It doesn't have as much character as I kind of expect from an Imperial Stout. And I don't know if that's just because it's with it's it's got the nitrogenation. Because uh, these uh, left-hand uh, big cans have, like, a widget in them. Kind of like the big cans of Guinness. So it actually nitrogenates it right then. So I don't know if it's just the mouthfeel muddling whatever character would be there. But it I feel like most Imperial Stouts that I have, generally, I'm like... I'm looking for that big malt and that really big hop flavor. Just a, a kind of a, a lot of, you know, punch in the fucking face kind of flavor. And uh, I'm just not finding it here. It's a great mouthfeel, but that's about all I'm feeling. I'm going to give it a 13 on a scale of 3 to 17. Uh, Skip, you go first. What do you rate your drink? I'm going to rate my drink a 12, which I think it's, it's solid. Yeah. And... But there's room. There's room to grow. Yeah. Like definitely. I know there's I know there's better drinks out there. Mm -hmm. And and TB12. 12 is very special to me. Yeah. I'm a football fan, so nice. there you go. Go Bucks. Who's your uh, Who's your favorite team, and why is it the Broncos? Ah! <laughs> hey, I respect I respect the Broncos. <laughs> My favorite team to. is the Broncos because I live in Colorado and, and I just grew up believing that the Broncos were the only team worth paying attention to. <laughs> hey, hey, God bless you. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely for the same reason fan. I keep woefully rooting for the Rockies every year and being disappointed <laughs> right. nine times out of. I mean, nine. right now is not a good time to be a Colorado fan. <laughs> Uh, None hey, of our teams are doing good. We started he's great. Drinking. The Rockies started fucking great. We were on fire like we always are in April. And I was like, dude, it's not April and we're doing good. But it was basically April because the season started late. So it still was basically April. So, and right. and and we it, it, it <laughs> went downhill fast. Rockies. And I'm like, come on, guys. Why Same you got to be like day. that? Hey, I got it all in one go. I'm right, fucking so great. great. You guys quality. have to drink because nice. of that, and I have to take a celebratory drink. Yeah, I'll mm. drink to that. All right. I'm apparently getting better at Sonic. I don't know if that's good or not. I think the booze is what makes this game playable. Let's see if you got it. <laughs> Probably, yeah. right? Yeah. Let's see if I can beat the first level, unlock Knuckles. Cause... That's just for spam. Yeah. Knuckles was always my favorite out of the Sonic characters. I just like fucking like going up to shit and being like, I don't want to be fast. I'm going to punch you. Fuck you. <laughs> Does the booze make this game watchable as well? 
I don't Probably. know. Keep drinking until Sonic looks good. <laughs> like you drink it, we'll find right. out. Turns it's like your sobriety like test. When you think this looks fun, then then you've had enough. Cut yourself off. <laughs> All right, and I talk to this guy. Anyways, let's go into our news and booze. So our first topic for news today is uh, Amazon has announced Luna, which is a new cloud streaming service. So it's going to be competing in the space with uh, Google Stadia and. Uh, uh, the other guys, Xbox. Yeah. Uh, so this is kind of interesting, actually. Um, I'm going to pause real quick so I can actually read this shit. Um, it will launch on PC, Mac, Fire TV, iPhone, and iPad, which makes me very skeptical of Apple telling me that Xbox's app could not run on it because they didn't feel like testing everything, but they got another streaming service. It's the exact same fucking thing. I'm on to you, Apple, you dickheads. <laughs> I'm I'm kidding. They're they're dickheads for tons of other reasons. You all know it. Uh, there's an Android plan, uh, Android version planned later after launch. What's interesting to me in this is that games sync to the Luna controller. So you're gonna buy your controller. It's fifty bucks. That's not a bad buy-in actually. And uh, you get your controller, and your controller talks to the game on the internet in the cloud, and it's all on your controller is telling your TV what to display or your PC or whatever device you're on. And so if you want to move to a different device, it's still saved on the controller. It's not like on Xbox or Stadia where it's on your device. It's actually on the controller. So you can seamlessly, according to them, move from one device to another, uh, which in Stadia, I, I haven't actually tried that on Xbox because CloudStream is currently only available on Android, obviously, uh, but at, at least for Stadia, like, you'd have to, like, get to a point and save and then quit and then go on your other device and, and try that that way. Um, another interesting thing that they're doing is they're partnering with Ubisoft to bring a bunch of games, including Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Far Cry 6, and Immortals Phoenix Rising, the day they release will be released on this service. However, these things will be as an additional cost for the Ubisoft gaming channel. So you're going to pay, basically they're doing an introductory price of $5.99 a month and you get a bunch of games with that. And if you pay the extra price for the Ubisoft channel, then you get all the Ubisoft games day one. Just like if you're playing for, uh, obviously, Xbox's uh, Game Pass, you get all the Microsoft games day one. But this is like a specific, like, channel is what they're calling it. So it's it's like a TV channel, you know? You pay for HBO, you get all the HBO content when it airs. Uh, but with this, you get all the Ubisoft content when it becomes available. So I think it's an interesting idea, but I think, like, the idea of it is to have several channels of, like, your favorite developers and then get on that. And I feel like that could get expensive really quick, depending on the pricing model for it. Because I don't, they haven't announced what it's going to be, if it's going to be, like, $3.99 to add Ubisoft, $5.99 again to add Ubisoft, you know. If it's, even if it's 5 bucks a month extra to add one channel, that could easily stack up real quick. And at that point, I think Xbox's kind of streaming service slash um, Game Pass would be a better deal overall 
but if you really care about these developers, then maybe it might be a, a better uh, kind of release schedule. So what do you guys what do you guys kind of think about that? I think some of the um, the unfortunate kind of like barrier to entry with some of these things is you look at I I'm starting to compare these like cloud gaming services to like a Netflix or a Hulu where the barrier to entry is relatively easy. If you have a device, take a sip. Um, if you have a device... <laughs> I have a device, I'll take a sip! If you have a device, take a sip, everybody. Oh, um, oh shoot. If you, have a, um, if you have a device that can, you know, play Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime Video or what have you, any, any number of streaming services, you have the device you're in, you're good. Um, Why won't I catch the trailer rings like it more difficult is... Take Don't understand thing. what I did last time is um, you have to have the, the hardware for this. So you have to have a controller, uh, you have to have a console, you have to have something that allows you to you know tap into this application. Um, when that sort of is like more removed, I could see that being a easier sell for people. Um, whereas it's just like, hey, I paid like five bucks to use these all these games for like a month. Yeah. Um, it's a new concept, relatively new concept. Uh, we could see uh, Xbox Game Pass becoming the next Netflix for games, um, and, and I think that'd be great. Uh, great for folks that want to do that. Um, I love to own the, the physical games. Like I'm sitting in front of all these awesome Genesis cartridges right here. Mm -hmm. that, like, I will be able to just throw in my Genesis or my Retro and be able to play whenever. <laughs> Yeah. Um, for the folks that don't want that kind of hassle, that's great. This is this is kind of that alternative for it. Um, I think these kinds of things come down to the marketing and, and getting a good price point. Um, if you can undercut the other guys and say, hey, look, like you have an Xbox controller. If you pay a couple bucks a month, you can get like 150 games that you can play whenever you want. For some people, that's great. For me, man, that's daunting. I already have 150 games in front of me, and I don't have the time to play all of them, so... Uh, to each their own. Yeah, it's it's a kind of thing where I kind of fall sort of in the middle because I'm like you. I'm a very big physical collector. I collect like tons of physical games. Like you know, anytime there's a special edition, I'm like, it comes with something cool. I have to get it. I got my Octopath Traveler special edition right here. I got my you know Zelda 3DS. I got 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 my Link plushie. Fuck yeah. You know, I got all sorts of different stuff like this, and and I'm just like. Yes, give me the physical, but Xbox kind of convinced me this generation that, you know, even if I'm a physical collector, I can still, like, make use of Game Pass just because it's, it's such a good deal on as many... Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm, although I'm not losing lives when I fall in the water here. I really have no idea what the fuck is going on with this stupid thing. There's a button for, like, the light dash. I want to say it's B, but you have to be, like, precise on the first ring. Because oh. I feel like oh. last time I, I, you, I skidded across the ring Did you get an item to get there? I, you only did the old I man thing. I thought right? I bought it. I, I did the thing, and then I went to this guy, and I said, buy the item, right? The guy who's like gesticulating like a madman. Yeah, hey man, were you Italian or something? You really want to buy anything else? Oh yeah, he doesn't let you buy this. 
sorry, but we sold out of everything. So, so did I buy it? Is there sold out of it? You Can I see my inventory? To, is there an inventory you button? You like, trigger a cutscene to, like, come back and buy this, as dumb as that sounds. Yeah, maybe, oh, maybe I'll do the, uh, fucking minigame again or something. Where's that? Talk to the two guys that are, like, casting a spell on each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, that's what it looks All like. All the people listening on Podbean, you're gonna be like, what the fuck are they talking <laughs> what about? What are these guys talking about? <laughs> At All this right. point, I think they've gotten used to it. <laughs> All right, yeah. All oh, right, yeah. Uh, next piece of news and booze. Kirby Fighters 2 was leaked, announced, and released yesterday. It's uh, $19.99 on eShop. It includes the new wrestler copy ability and new playable characters like Bandana Waddle D, Megalore, DDD, and Meta Knight. So uh, I didn't actually play the first Kirby Fighters, but it, it sounded kind of interesting. It's like a Kirby fighting game. A lot of people are... Uh, kind of giving it, like, uh, uh, parallels with Smash Brothers for gameplay style. It's kind of like a little bit platformy, but then you pick your Kirby with your different abilities. So, uh, any big Kirby fans out there gonna check this out? Don't all speak hey. up at once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I push X! Why am I going in the water? What the fuck, Sonic? <laughs> Goddamn idiot! What the you have fuck? to drink for that. Yeah, I'll drink well, twice for, for that. that. Shit. <laughs> he figured it out and then threw himself in the ocean immediately. Shit. I also kind of like to show off my cups. So these are all my waterfowl shot glasses that I have for some reason. So I got my ring-necked <laughs> pheasant and a and a and black ducks and a couple other. You ones. don't know where these came from. <laughs> Well, my dad gave them to me one Christmas when I was like, um, I think he had come over another time and I didn't have enough shot glasses because I just moved in. And then this was like several years later and he was like, you still don't have any shot glasses, right? And I was like, no, I have tons of them. And he's like, oh, well, I got these for you. <laughs> oh, okay. Thanks, dad. That's so, so thoughtful. It is. How did I get in there? Go in the level, you fucking idiot. <laughs> I don't own a single shot glass, and, like, my go-to is whiskey and gin. Skip is a drinker out of mugs. I drink out of mugs. I'm drinking out of my uh, Zelda mug right now. Well, I'll drink to that. <laughs> so, I've got plenty of shot I keep glass. thinking of I'm buying sorry. Zelda mugs. I have, like, a, a Zelda coffee thermos thingy. And that's all my Zelda mugs, and I'm like, I need more Zelda oh, mugs. Oh, you need a collection. Gaming mugs. More Zelda mugs. I mean, you got that Zelda Stein from GameStop that I showed you, didn't you? I didn't. I I looked at it I and I was like, Stein. I don't have twenty bucks in my bank account. Damn it, Crow. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was given to me. And I drink I drink um, uh, protein shakes out of it, of all things. <laughs> <laughs> I picked up some crazy, um, they're like hand engraved, um, Zelda mugs that have the Majora's Mask mask and the, uh, the Hylian crest, uh, for skip. I can just stuff. like fucking stand here. That's Sonic. But you can't swim. I just like stopped pushing the stick for a second and he stopped and I'm like, what the hell, Sonic? 
All right, next piece of news and booze. Cadence of Hyrule won the Canadian Game Award of the Year. Hey. I didn't know there was a Canadian Game Award until, uh, I forget, Zelda Universe or Zelda Dungeon or somebody was like, hey, Cadence of Hyrule won this. And I was like, there's a Canadian Zelda or, or a Canadian Game of the Year? That's... I didn't know there was a Canadian Game of the Year until you just said that. Yeah, so uh, that's pretty cool. Um, Cadence of Hyrule, yeah. I think, is a game of, that is deserving of more awards than it's going to get. Um, mm. Particularly, I think the soundtrack is one of the most fucking killer soundtracks that there has ever been. Uh, so oh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, anybody else love Cadence of Hyrule? Oh, yeah. I'm kidding. Yeah, Everybody we... does, right? We're all Zelda fans. I mean, I had an Zelda fans are right. Podcast episode about it. Nice. Nice. Hey, you got oh, it. Yeah, that makes sense right. now. I know to push yeah. X instead of A now, so like, what the fuck? How do I do this? <laughs> A new obstacle. <laughs> A new challenger appears. Yeah. <laughs> How did I just fall down? What did? I, what actually just happened? I keep. I'm playing this game, and I'm like. It's like I'm watching like a speedrunner that I is using glitches that I don't understand because they happen so fast. But it's not speedrunning, it's just shit. (laughs) How did I just stand on the wall? I just fucking cling to the wall. Shoes will do that. (laughs) Will they? Honestly. Will they, Kevin? He's got the Reebok pumps. Kevin, go home, you're drunk. (laughs) I already am. Both Good. Those <laughs> yes, In that case, both. you are on the right fucking podcast, my friend. All right. Uh, Square announced Near Replicant, which is a remake or remaster of the uh, original Near game. So this is kind of cool because I was thinking of about uh, playing Near Automata. How did I just die? I just attacked that guy like six times. I think you you like fell into his presence. <laughs> But anyways, yeah, I've been, like, looking at Nier Automata because um, it's on Game Pass for, uh, not for PC, but for streaming. So I'm like, I might stream that on my phone. Uh, that might be kind of interesting, but I don't know how intensive it is because I've got a kind of an old phone. So, like, I played, uh, like I was saying earlier, I've played... Um, uh, the touring test, and that's a little bit of a slower-paced game, so that worked really, really well. But uh, other games, like oh god, there's a fucking orca Whoa. following me. <laughs> I was, uh, I was confused as shit like, just because the camera angle changed, and I was like, what just happened? Some Why are the camera angles keep changing? Here. What the fuck? I just, what is it? Uh, it just sent me on a path to death. They, they ate you. <laughs> but yeah, I also tried Halo ODST, and that did right, not work yeah. quite as well. Uh, it, oh, it worked, it worked fine, but it's like, it was hard to get a lot of the precise movements. Like, I'm trying, normally in Halo, I'm like, okay, there's a grunt there, just, you know, pull out my pistol, bam, bam, you know, get the grunts, easy. It, it, it fucking did it again, especially because so I was when that When that, yeah. uh, that plank shoots you up, you gotta jump. And you're gonna do like your wild like hover boot, sticky boot jump from like that to like a rock to another rock to another one. Okay. Do you smell what the rock is cooking? <laughs> I did once. It was really awkward. 
Okay, I see what's Where going on here. We got some Final good. Fantasy VII shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was I talking about? Square, Near. Anybody else play Near? I never played Near. What the fuck is Tails here for? How am I Tails? Near Tails, no. How did oh. that happen? Sonic's busy. Yeah. I hope I can fly Sonic infinitely. Whale. I cannot fly infinitely. Shit. Okay, I'm gonna die. Um, and there was a game that came out. What just that hit I me? With Near. What just hit me? What? What There's actually? Is going on here. Sorry, are you actually talking about the news? I'm I'm still confused as shit. I, I'm a little confused too, and I'm 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 still thinking about Near. All right, so you played Near. That came out around the same time that I was like, it, it felt like it was the same game, but it like very it really wasn't. Huh? It was like I confused Near with another game with like robot android people. Okay, huh? And I I couldn't tell you what it was. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. All right. Uh, anybody else got anything to say to that, or shall we move to our next piece of news and news? Yeah, I've never played near, so. Um, all right, so Sony announces uh, Spider-Man Remastered, <clears throat> which is the original 2018 game, uh, but remastered, coming to PS5. But it's only available in a bundle with Spider-Man Miles Morales for seventy dollars. So that's not like a bad price, but the fact that it's only available in the bundle is just a little weird. It's like, why aren't they selling it as a standalone game is a lot of people's mm -hmm. kind of qualm with it. I'm like, I don't care that much. Like, I like Spider-Man, but I don't need to go out and buy a 4K version of it, right? Sure. I think the interesting thing <laughs> is there's no upgrade path for, and I don't I feel like everyone's kind of doing this differently. Yeah. And some people seem like, like, if you go to, like, Reddit, and you look at, like, the comments from people or the threads that they're posting, people are, like, very quick to jump on, like, how dare Sony not offer this as a free upgrade, or how dare Microsoft not offer this as a free upgrade, or, like, you know, such and such developers are doing a very scummy thing by doing this. I don't really know what the best answer is. Like, I'm kind of waiting on PlayStation or Xbox uh, series finale. Um, yeah. <laughs> I kind of ended up accidentally choosing the Xbox because I didn't get a PlayStation upgrade or a PlayStation pre-order when I tried uh, because of the whole debacle where all the dealers, like, released the pre-order a day before they were supposed to. So I went in the day that they were supposed to start and they didn't exist anymore. So I was, like, I was a little bit screwed out of that. And um, at that point, the beginning of the game. I yeah. feel bad for the the workers, like the yeah. You know, the poor so staff so at those let stores. let us all drink to poor Crow who works at GameStop. <laughs> oh, Crow! I had no idea. It was, it's been a hellish week having to manage all those servers too. I am sorry. But yeah, then I figured, uh, as long as I didn't get that, like, after that, also, another piece of our news and booze, which will come later, uh, kind of convinced me that Xbox's Game Pass is even more of a good deal, and I decided, whatever, I'll try my luck at Xbox, and I actually had a really awkward time with GameStop's website trying to get one digitally first. I tried to do a pre-order on GameStop's website, and, uh, basically ended up like trying to pay via uh, quad pay which is a third-party website that um, 
they GameStop uses to basically split up your payments into four payments. And I was basically just going to put down the down payment and then pay it all off when I got paid, basically. Because I had, like, enough for an Xbox Series S is what I was looking at. Uh, but the when I got in on the website, finally, it... Uh, told me that the only thing that was I, like I looked at the Xbox Series S that was sold out Xbox Series X was sold out but Xbox Series S was available in a bundle for $500 with a like a two-year game pass subscription and uh and a headset and I was like okay to get it day one sure I'll do that but I didn't have enough in my account right at the time so I decided okay I'll look at your at your quad pay and then I'll just pay it off right when I get right when I get payday, right? So that ended up this terrible debacle that the order didn't go through, but QuadPay put a hold on my money in my bank account. So now I have $130 that's just in limbo right now that I can't use because QuadPay has a hold on it, even though the order didn't go through. So that was kind of annoying. But then I just like yeah. figured, fuck it, I'm going to drive to GameStop and see if I could get one. And I drove up and I went into GameStop. I was like, hey, can I pre-order an Xbox? They're like, only the Series S, and I was like, that's the one I want, so fuck yes. So, nice. I accidentally became an Xbox gamer. Let's drink to that. I'm amazed that you were able to get a Series S pre-order in, especially Cheers. after all that, because at my store, the people, like, all of mine, the people who were going to pre-order it were there lined up in front of my store before I got there for work. Oh, <laughs> to oh open that's a store. bad sign. So wow. I've been at GameStop before the employees for a couple of <laughs> events before. So uh, sorry, I've been. <laughs> Although uh, I didn't get my I, one of the things I did was the uh, Super Nintendo Classic, which I never ended up getting because um, mm. I I ended up sitting oh, in yeah, line there and uh, they uh, it, it was such crazy shit too because I got there at five a.m. You guys opened at ten and. Mm. Um, it was really kind of just a, a sad mishap. How did I just teleport inside this thing? The fuck? There you go. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it was, like uh... That looks like a B rank to me. Right? But yeah, um... So I, I got there at 5am and there was already, like, a pretty big line. And, mm -hmm. um... It ended up that, uh... There were 12 Super Nintendo Classic systems, and I was number 13 in line. I was oh, like, yeah. really? And I was, I was oh. really kind of mad, too, because one of the there was a group there that was clearly a family with a mom and a dad and two kids, and each one of them bought one. And I oh, was like, why oh. do you let them do that? They are clearly a family. And you're right. letting... It's like... I, I kind of get it, and I kind of was really pissed. So it was it was like a shitty situation. Aw, lucky number 13. <clears throat> yeah. Anyways, uh, let's go to our next piece of news and booze. Is, um, the Last of Us Twitter announced that they changed their annual fan celebration, which is September 26th, which is tomorrow, which the past several years they've been calling Outbreak Day, they decided that that was no longer culturally appropriate because of actual <laughs> real-life circumstances, and so they have renamed it The Last of Us Day, and they teased exciting things to come, 
And today they announced that that meant there's crap loads of new merch and the old merch will be heavily discounted and there's a free PS4 theme. So, all right, not, it's kind of neat. I, I like yeah. all the merch looks really good and I'm just like, I want it, but like the ones that I want are like the really badass, like first four figures style statues. And sure, I'm like, <laughs> I really want to be a collector of those, but my kids would fucking destroy them. Yep. Here, here. And they're just really expensive too. And I'm just like, I don't, I, I don't want to spend the money. Is part they of it, really which are is the best quality though. That's, they that's are, the, but that's, that's kind of why I ended up being an amiibo collector. Is that amiibos are yeah. like okay quality and really small and only 12 bucks so i'm not like totally fucking myself every time i buy one you know so speaking of you're gonna get the uh joker and hero amiibos on friday joker one yeah for Ooh, smash joker <laughs> yeah joker for persona his uh his amiibos arrived in stores today and they look gorgeous oh, i've seen I all bet. the images i'm not really a big Persona guy, and I'm not really a big uh, Dragon Quest guy, so neither of them probably are gonna be for me. But I'm Pop like, and give it a look. You're not bad. Yeah, I like. I don't have anything against the series. I've never played a Persona game. Uh, mm. I've always kind of eyed it from the side and been like, I should get into you one of these days. And Dragon Quest, I was kind of the same until Dragon Quest 11s had a Switch. Um, demo there was a demo version for the switch and it said hey here's our demo it's the first 10 hours of the game and i was like dude that's crazy a 10 hour demo okay i'll try that and uh i fell in a hole fuck but i was like okay i'll give it a shot you fell in a hole in and Quest. <laughs> i i probably yeah. did uh my the the oh, shit this I have to say, this part, like, I don't understand, like, the dexterity and, like, what you're doing with your hands for this, but I have to say, it looks hard. It's... It looks really hard. It feels like, like it should be hard, but then sometimes I get the bullshit, like, what just like, happened. You're like, <laughs> you're like uh, a surf ninja. But yeah, I, I really just was bored as hell through the... I played, like, six hours, I think, of the Dragon Quest demo for Dragon Quest XI S. And I, w I was just done. I missed the thing. Uh, I'm going to just stand here on the roof. Okay. <laughs> I would be um, remiss for us to pass over this topic without pointing out that Skip has been reading the Persona manga. I have Persona 5 manga. Is I do have a really odd Persona collectible, which is this uh, Persona 5... This was a pre-Persona 5 release um, piece right of advertisement here. for the game that was at E3 2016. Oh, cool. Um, and one of the guys that worked at the Persona E3 booth put this up on eBay with the Legend of Zelda lanyard that all of the media staff got. And all of the E3 oh. staff got that year. And really, I was just buying the lanyard, and it happened to come with this as well. And I was like, okay, cool, that's kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah, so just a random piece of Persona 5 memorabilia. 
and I've never played the game. <laughs> when um, playing the game, we'll get you there. Skin. I just I don't have the hardware for it right now, but I do want to play it. Um, when did uh, when did those amiibos come out, Crow? Uh, they come out this Friday, if I remember right. Maybe it's next Friday. It's so it's the in a week. Second, I want to say. Oh, okay. So this coming okay. Friday. Let's yeah. keep our eye on that. That's a good thing to, to note. You'll have to your check your local GameStop. What was that? That's your favorite Smash Bros. character. Uh, it's one of my favorites, yeah. I'm a big Joker fan. He's so top five. I played too. Joker. He seems interesting, but he's really technical, and I'm more of the kind of Smash player that's just like, I want to punch shit. I want to hit shit Kong. with a big sword. Uh, so, my mains are Ike and Min Min. Uh, I've been having oh, okay. shitloads of fun with Min Min since she came out. Like, I didn't know They're that another character would ever come and rival Ike as my, like, main main, but Min Min is definitely there. I'm like, oh my god, Min Min is so fucking fun. Still have to try about Wario. <laughs> and I'm, a, I'm a cloud main myself. Okay. Cloud and Ganondorf my house too. Kevin, Kevin I play Ganondorf pretty name. often too, because he's another just really good, just I hit you really fucking hard kind of character. He's BA. Yeah, Ganny's BA. Uh Kevin mains all like the the characters that I just loathe. Like the trolliest characters. I could play so the problem the problem with me and Super Smash Bros. is that I can play, I can play every character. Yeah, I can play every character pretty well. I don't want to like brag on this podcast, but I sure, play sure. every character pretty well. Right. Um, the characters that I play like of my level, like of, of exceptional gameplay, is like Wario, Diddy Kong, Jigglypuff, um, Roy, Robin. And there's probably a sixth or a seventh in there, uh, like mm -hmm. like a very high level. But at least man, do I play the characters that will just make Skip mad? Like at least Isabel. it's <laughs> at least Game and Watch isn't on the list. I detest Game and Watch. I love Mr. Game and Watch. Mr. Game Watch is such a meme with my <laughs> friends. Like my buddy Big N would play Mr. Game and Watch, and like he would only play Mr. Game and Watch in Super <laughs> Smash Bros. Brawl. We played uh, a crap ton of Brawl, and he was, like, untenable, unstoppable. Like, he would just, he'd squeak wins in out of nowhere. It was great. Nice. For me and my friends, it was Olimar. I got a... Olimar is, was real tough in Brawl. I, I remember Olimar uh, in Brawl being just really annoying when he got his final smash, because, like... First of all, I had, like, at that yeah. point, never played a Pikmin game, so I didn't understand what the fuck was going on. And also, it literally, you can't dodge it, and it just does a fuckload of damage in Brawl. It was, yep. it was a really broken... There was a lot... There was a handful of Final Brawl Smashes in Brawl that were just too powerful. It was like, fuck you guys. <laughs> and some that kind of stunk, too. Like, Mario's was a bit <laughs> underwhelming. Donkey yeah. Kong's was... Like, Donkey Kong's was a joke. Depending on the map, it, it was all. Yeah, if you're on a big thing. map, it's like okay, just just move this way. Bye, Donkey Kong. Sorry. Yeah. On a small map, sometimes it would be pretty good, but if you timed it right, 
like you could it it still kind of had that directional thing so you could kind of watch where it was going to be next and hmm. and so usually you, donkey kong's was far minimal away and that didn't work well hmm. like you wanted characters in close that so you could just blast them <laughs> you would brawl them. All right. We fit trainers pretty trolly too. <laughs> That's one I don't play as much, but yeah, you're right. Every time you I accidentally, like, sometimes I'll just like hit random in, if I'm in a party of friends or something, and I'll get we fit trainer, and I'll just spam <laughs> that crotch laser just because it's fucking hilarious to shoot a laser oh. from your crotch. I'm like, oh, I don't funny. understand what's going on, but I'm gonna shoot you with this laser from my crotch. Boom. <laughs> My All friend's right. troll character is Sonic. It's just too fast to hit. Mm -hmm. Back in Brawl, Chris, who's the uh, co-host of Drink to the Past, normally is on here. Uh, back in Brawl, he would play Sonic a lot, and he would literally just run away the entire time until he found a smash ball. And then he would fucking kill everybody because Sonic's final smash was one of those that I was talking about earlier. That's just it's like, it's just fucking stupid. It's just like too good. <laughs> So, Chris, Just if you're like listening, fuck you. <laughs> you uh, sound very wise. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to so our last piece of news and news. This is maybe the biggest thing of the week. Uh, Microsoft announced on Monday that they acquired ZeniMax in a $7.5 billion deal, and that includes all of ZeniMax's, like, lower tier uh businesses including bethesda softworks so um according to deal. phil spencer uh we will be adding bethesda's iconic franchises to xbox game pass for console and pc and the first one has also been announced since then doom eternal will be on game pass for xbox one starting october 1st which is just kind of crazy, and it'll come to PC later this year. Uh, just this entire thing is a little bit crazy. Uh, one other note here is that uh, they have announced that Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo, which were both announced as uh, PlayStation timed exclusives, will be released as planned as PlayStation timed exclusives, and future titles will be reviewed case by case. So I think that's kind of decent, you know, to give them that you know, chance on PlayStation, because, uh, you know, technically, they own the rights now. Uh, I, there's probably some paperwork involved. Maybe there would be some money involved. But I feel like because they own the company now, they could be like, nope, it's releasing on Xbox at the same fucking time. Uh, if they really wanted to, I'm sure they could make it happen. So I think it's kind of cool that they're still being like, okay, these things were promised as PlayStation exclusives. They're still releasing as PlayStation exclusives. But in general, what's your take that Bethesda games are going to be part of Game Pass and by even further extent, Microsoft is going to own the rights to Bethesda games? I have a hot take here. Go ahead. I got two hot takes. First That's hot take, hot. you have Bethesda and you have Obsidian owned by Microsoft now. Both mm -hmm. studios owned. Are we going to see something in Fallout? Are we going to see something with um, Fallout New Vegas? We can only hope. An Obsidian game worked on with Bethesda using that engine? 
I would love to see Obsidian take the reins on that. If they're done working on like a Pillars game or or, um, or Baldur's Gate or something like that. Now, the second hot take here is you have the agreement with Microsoft and EA uh, adding in EA titles into Game Pass. Yeah. Now that you have like the perfect suit of EA, which includes Bioware, and Microsoft owning Obsidian and Bethesda now, can we get like a can we just can we just mash a few minds together and a few IPs and legal tape to get a Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic three? <laughs> not a coat not a Swotor MMO. Kotor three. I'm fucking on board. <laughs> Give me I, the Obsidian guys doing KOTOR, too. Like, not not so much the Bioware guys. Yeah. yeah. Cheers. Star Wars, I'm not, I'm not surprised. Yeah, um, <laughs> I didn't even really think of that, but yeah, you're totally right. And uh, I really loved the he original right. Knights of the Old Republic. Knights of the Old Republic 2, I, I just didn't really get into very much, because the first level I got really stuck in for some reason. Oh, Paragus sucks. I, I don't even know what that is. The first Barack's level mining facility. That's it. Okay. Yeah. The the first level you like are the droid, and you're just running around. Oh, that's the tutorial. Yeah, I never got out of there. Oh, you could skip it. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh my the god! Stupidest shit I've ever heard. Really? <laughs> oh my god! I'm such you a drink. fucking idiot. Apparently, you drink. I will drink to that shit. Cause yeah, all I remember of Kotor what? 2 is wandering around for what seemed like an eternity in the body of this little droid and being like, "What the fuck am I doing? Where the fuck it's am not, I supposed to go?" Just like so madly it's swearing at my Xbox, being like, "Dude, what the shit?" Why am it's I there for anyone that has never played a KOTOR game and had like no clue on how to play like D and D or like how roles or anything worked? Mm -hmm. But I, I'm sure if you went back and played it now, you would be like, all right, skip and then play Paragus. And Paragus is like it's the first area of KOTOR two, and I remember it being an absolute chore. Mm -hmm. But looking back at it now, it's pretty. It's pretty easy as an introductory area if you look at it from like a D and D one shot. Okay. And it's yeah, cool it's funny because actually it's, it's that's like one done of the, it. Kotor is one of the things that uh, a little bit got me into D and D because uh, I was explained that oh hey this works on the Star Wars D twenty system and I was like oh that's kind of cool even though I really it's never paid attention to what was going on behind the scenes and I literally just built my entire character so that I could spam one button and fuck everybody. That's KOTOR. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, uh, I, I was fine with that. I, I got into D&D way after playing KOTOR. Um, like, I played KOTOR and KOTOR 2, like, at this point, like, probably, like, seven or so times for each game. And nice. uh, I've since played them over a dozen more. And um, I didn't really even understand that it was D&D. Like, it's... You're making rolls and you're making checks based on like your statistics. Yeah. You have off-band penalties. Yeah, um, it's funny because now, like looking things. back at it, I'm like, oh yeah, all that was D and D. But at the time, it like was just totally over my head. I was just like, yeah, okay, this does more damage than the other thing. Okay, and and this yeah. means I get more attacks. That's that's how I do it. 
I like how they. My favorite thing was as a D and D nerd, understanding what they did is they made flurry of blows, which is a monk ability, into a feat that you could just like put into like in your feet tree. You could just buy into at certain yeah. levels. And then I had two lightsabers, and it somehow worked with both of my lightsabers. So my character was built around flurry of blows with two lightsabers, where I would just like, yeah. like just swipe, 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 swipe. At the end of the game, I was just like, one flurry of blows will kill almost anything because I'm hitting it with a lightsaber eight times in the span of six (laughs) seconds. And it it was just insane how much damage I dealt. And I didn't even realize how great a build it was until I, like, became a D&D nerd. And I was just like, is that what I was doing? Who the fuck, what dungeon master would let you do that? What a dumbass. It is such a good build. The real, so question, the real question is, what color were your lightsabers? Red. Purple. I was a fucking dark side dude. I, I was fucking like, every person I could kill, I fucking murdered them. I mean, you, you can learn so much just by asking someone what color their lightsaber is. True. Mm-hmm. Now, I've played KOTOR and KOTOR 2 to the <laughs> point where I have had... Um, I've played as light side male, light side female, dark side male, dark side female across all games, and then got to the point where I played consular. I played sentinel. Um, it's the third one in there. I don't quite know what it is. Guardian. Uh, Guardian. Guardian. And then like rebalance those to like the second stages in Kotor two, and um, I was like effort. I have Jedi abilities. I want to see how far I can get without using a lightsaber. And it's viable. You can just use uh, dual pistols, which I did, or you can use a hmm. two handed, uh, like, laser rifle. And it works. And it balances out with force powers, too. Yeah. Like, it depends on how your build is, and I guess it kind of depends on how your party is. Because my build was all about I'm the damage dealer. And the other two guys are also the damage dealer. Because in my party, at all times I could possibly have them, I had Candorous and HK-47. And so I'd go up and I'd tank some hits, and I'd, like, just deal out some massive damage. And then they'd finish off whatever I didn't kill, because they dealt shitloads of damage themselves. Candorous did, too, and he had the healing factor, which was pretty pretty amazing. Yeah. Pretty unique to him, too. For Mandalore. Yeah. And what timeless games? We need to, um, we need to, uh, Microsoft, get on that. Kotor 3. Please. I will, pl- I, I would say I would pay a full 60 bucks, but I probably wouldn't, because you'd put it on Game Pass. I, I'd pay 60 bucks. I would pay 60 bucks, but if it was on Game Pass, then I wouldn't, because that's how Game Pass works. <laughs> All right, shall we get into our video game topic for today? Hell yeah. All right, video game topic for today is console exclusives. That's the entire topic because there's, like, I feel like just that is enough to get us a conversation started, and we could we could probably springboard off of that somehow. So uh, console exclusives, what do you guys think of them? Are they, like, a good thing, a bad thing, somewhere in the middle? Do they have their hit and miss, their, you know, their moments? Crow, we haven't heard from you. 
as a concept, they're good because I mean, you know, that's that's what drives people to buy the hardware. You know, otherwise, if you don't have exclusives, what's what's the point? There's not a huge difference between PlayStation and Xbox. Yeah. Um, Especially in generations now, like at, at at some point, there was a pretty decent difference between like a GameCube and a or or especially like a Wii uh, and like Xbox 360 in that generation. There was right. there was, was a ton of potential PS2. difference. Like obviously, if you get a difference in hardware, like the Wii versus the 360, or even now the Switch versus you know PS4 and Xbox One. That in and of itself is a good way to justify different purchases, but whenever someone asks me, you know, should I get a PlayStation or an Xbox for myself or my kid or whoever, um, I always tell them like, look, look at the games and decide which one you think you'll get the more, you know, mileage out of. To which mm-hmm. the answer is most oftentimes PlayStation, just because they have a lot more options, and in a lot of times, at least in my mind, a lot better options. Yeah, I'll pick Horizon Zero Dawn over a lot of Xbox exclusive games. Halo not included. Like I love Halo. Um, yeah, that's it, kind of my problem with the Xbox One generation, though. Is I was like, well, Xbox has Halo, and I fucking love Halo, but they've also got nothing, D- yeah. nothing else. That that is it. Sea of Thieves and Standard Decay. That is game. always the one game with Xbox. Like, I, I hear everyone say that. It's, everyone says the same thing. They have Halo. Halo and to a lesser extent, like, Gears of War. Yeah, I, I liked true. the Gears of yeah, War games Gears back in the day, but, like, now I've just kind of been out of it for long enough that I'm like, they're not as big a deal as Halo. I would love to get it back into Halo, and I'll think about getting back into Gears of War is kind of how I would put it. Sure. Yeah, I've it's, never really it's a little harder about. now. Like Microsoft is becoming more of like, here's your Xbox platform, less so of like, here's your Xbox and like you can play Halo on Xbox. Yeah. Because now you can play Halo on PC, and if you have Windows 10, like that's considered in like the realm of your you know your Xbox platform. So it kind of blurs the lines, which which makes Xbox and Microsoft in general like a more um, easier thing to buy into. Um, like you said, Mr. Spam, um, buying into a Game Pass is, is a lot easier uh, because, you know, you, you, can, you can buy it on PC. You can play games on PC. Whereas with Sony, it's, it's a little different. <laughs> Fuck that you, Orca! The heck out of you. Fuck you, Orca! <laughs> um, it, it makes it an easier sell, I think, um, to have Microsoft, where they're, they're a big player in a lot of things like that I know and I also work in IT where I understand like the way that Microsoft is sort of trending yeah um, they're they're working more on like including a lot of applications into a very a very um, impressive software suite and snatching up companies left and right to sort of enhance that with Microsoft um, Office 365 um, and now with Xbox Game Pass Whereas with Sony, like, they rule the world in Japan, but not so much from the software side. Yeah. Um, there's there's other big players that are there, and that's great. But I see Microsoft in terms of, like, if you want to play the most games, Microsoft seems like a good place to go. 
now for me, the games that I want to play are mostly on Nintendo systems, which I feel like we've yeah. kind of just been comparing uh, apples and blowtorches here with PlayStation <laughs> versus Xbox. Um, Nintendo is is my jam. I'm playing a lot of Nintendo stuff. Yeah, uh, like I think you're among friends with them. Um, I, th I think there's a lot of, um, you know, incredible exclusivity that's just going to exist on a Nintendo console. And that's something that's going to be very um, palatable for people to, to look at and be like, I want to play Fire Emblem. I want to play Mario. I want to play Zelda. I grew up with all those games. I love all those. I want to play those games. It's almost a necessity that you have to own a Switch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's, there's a charm. Yeah, that's a funny thing like... about the Switch for me, particularly, is that I actually bought a Wii U because I knew eventually a Zelda game would come out for it, and then Breath of the Wild came out, and I didn't buy the Wii U. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Skip. Oh, I mean, that was that was about it. There's, there's a certain charm to Nintendo games that I feel like uh, Microsoft and Sony just can't touch. Um... Like, like what Kevin was touching on, like, you know, we grew up with these games. There, there, uh, there's, um, there's a certain point where I feel like, um, there's like a quirkiness, quirkiness, there's a character to a lot of Nintendo games, whereas, um, I feel like Microsoft and Sony, um, don't paint outside the lines enough. Yeah. Um, like, where's that killer app? Like, is it Halo? Is Halo still the king? Uh, or can I just play, like, what everyone else is playing, which is, like, maybe, like, Call of Duty or, like, Madden? Or yeah. Call of Duty. To an extent, I think, because of how many of these uh, studios they've bought up recently, I think that Halo, or that Microsoft will get to that point within this generation, but I don't think they're there yet. Because for me, yeah, a really big game is going to be uh, Hellblade 2. Because I, I I got Hellblade because I, I was kind of interested in it. And then it was literally the first game I played when I started Game Pass for PC. Because uh, I was like, eh, it sounds kind of cool. I don't know really a lot of what it's about. But I know the aesthetic is cool. It's got something to do with Celtic and Norse mythology. And right. uh, that just sounded like it was in my wheelhouse. And I was like, okay, let's let's fucking try it out. And it is honestly one of the most insane out-of-body experiences I've ever had. It's not so much a game as it is an experience. Like a it's a psychological experience. Yeah, you are like a new person. You're going nuts. Yeah, you're just going fucking insane the entire time. And it's like the, and the, literally, like that is what your your character is going insane. Yeah, you're you're your going through this. Yeah, you're going through this whole thing, and you, you know, after I beat it, I I watched the little video that they made uh, within the game for it, and it was like, yeah, we wanted this game to really be a representation to a quote unquote normal person of what it is like to experience psychosis and these kind of just absolutely batshit episodes that people with psychosis suffer from. And I was like, that is literally what I felt. And it's such an insane, just like piece of art that 
I feel Hellblade is one of the most important games of all time. And if there is a game this mm. generation that has changed the landscape of gaming for better, we don't know it yet, but it's fucking Hellblade. What the fuck? Did you just see that? Died. I don't know if you died or you went back to Sonic. I have no idea, but I'm back at the checkpoint where I'm Sonic now. That was a Talk very about good load. What actual yeah. shit just happened? I think you won time, like... I don't, you don't run out of time. The, ca- the timer counts up. Oh, yeah. Maybe just Tails had enough of your shit. <laughs> Fuck Tails, <laughs> dickhead. I have to drink oh for whatever God. the fuck that was. <laughs> I will say, I think in in the world of video games, I think you can get pretty far in, in today's so world with, um, with a Nintendo Switch and a beefy enough PC, yeah. and if you know what you're doing on there. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think with, with those two, you can thrive pretty <laughs> Or pretty if you hard. have a boyfriend who knows what he's doing. <laughs> if you have a boyfriend that downloads a Steam account onto your surprisingly beefy PC without me having to do many upgrades for you. Um, yeah, yeah, then you're great. Yeah. Then the boys yeah. can play a better Sonic game, like uh, Sonic hey, World. Hey, are you fucking bashing Sonic 06 here while I'm actually playing it? <laughs> this is the pinnacle. He, he has the audacity. <laughs> for, for a hot second, I thought you were going to say, if you were thinking of a game that's the pinnacle of the last generation of video games, it's this. <laughs> Check it out. This, this is this is the shit. Man. The 90s will always be 10 years ago. So right? you're talking about the I was just important thinking. games to gaming. This is the king. Mm-hmm. King of Sonic right here. <laughs> I like how the camera angle just like completely changes whenever I use that bomb so I can't see what the fuck it hit. Yeah, half <laughs> the game is fighting the camera. The other half is fighting you. I thought it was yeah. bad enough in fucking Mario 64. This is like... Like, what the fuck Mario did I just throw? Mario 64's camera is, is a little rough. But uh, okay. I found that if you... What is going on? Mario Why is this camera, gate closing? It's locking that orca away. Oh. Did I get I to think, whatever I, I was supposed to yeah, find? There you go. Oh, it is. Now Sonic's back. Did any of your uh, kids play uh, any of the Mario games? Uh, yeah, my kids have played, uh, my, my four-year-old has played a little bit of Mario 64 and just jumped around and explored a bit, and that's been fun, and my six-year-old has played a bit of Mario Galaxy, uh, which has been kind of cool to watch him, because I haven't touched Mario Galaxy on the, on the, uh, collection yet, but I've been kind of looking at it, and it, I feel like I'm gonna have more fun with Mario Galaxy than I have so far with, the other two, because um, Mario 64 is something I have no nostalgia for, and so because of that, I feel like I don't have, you know, time to put up with its bullshit, and I'm just like, this is, like, not as good a game as people think it is. Like, I'm playing yeah, it, and I'm just like, this is, that. like, meh. You don't have those what did this do for ones, gaming that Ocarina of Time did not do 8,000 times better? Yeah. Well, why why does this get the all of this? You know, I mean, it was Ocarina 1.0, and Ocarina of Time was Ocarina 2.0. Right, it, but it was the beta for Ocarina. Yeah, yeah. To an extent, I feel like that might be true, but like, there's no, it literally is. It nothing. No, with the code and programming, it is. <laughs> yeah, 
But there's literally nothing I feel that this added to the world of 3D gaming. Because there were 3D games before and contemporary to Mario 64. And I feel like they all sort of suffered from the same problems. What about the baby penguin? You know what? I'm going through that level and I'm like, I'm not totally sure what... What did I just do? Did I just clip through the you wall? You just did some like really cool <laughs> brain dancing. <laughs> <Yeah>. Really. <laughs> Gave Sonic some you died minor so brain hard. trauma. Yeah. There. As someone who's played a lot of like what the N64 and and less so PlayStation, <laughs> games, that was dope right there. Um, mm -hmm. more so on like the Nintendo side, but less on um, on the PlayStation side. Uh, in terms of games that were really like the first quality 3D platformer, Mario 64 really, truly is that. I guess maybe if you're into platformers, I'm just not really as much of a platformer person anyway, I guess, is maybe part sure. of my problem. But so at the same time, like, people don't talk about it as one of the greatest platformers of all time. They talk about it as one of the most iconic, one of the most groundbreaking games of all time, and I, I just don't mm. see that. I see maybe for 3D platformers... But yeah, for so gaming fair. in general, I don't think, see what it did for gaming. Think, think about it. Think about it this way: uh, like we were joking about how it's you know, Ocarina 1.0, but in fact, like it, it very much did lay the groundwork for Ocarina. Um, while it didn't do it as well as Ocarina did, it did still set the groundwork for open world games in limited fashion. You know, limited mm -hmm. camera controls. Um, 3D space or navigation. Or hub world, right? Yeah, it had a hub world, which is a common thing that you'll see in a lot My of. My problem with that is that the um, camera controls fucking suck. Yes, that, that's why I said <laughs> yeah. in a limited fashion. But it's, it's um, like 1999, dude. Like there was no camera controls. Go play Bubsy. As Bubsy well as 3D like on PlayStation One and, and come back. It was one of the first games that lets you do stuff like in your own choice of order. It wasn't a linear game. Yeah, so that is one thing stuff. that I do kind of like about it, because, like, all these years later, I'm, like, one of the few people defending Breath of the Wild's story for being so fucking good, because mm -hmm. it didn't do that the same thing good. every other open-world game does, where it's like, you're in an open world. The world is open, but you're going through the story the exact same way as everybody else. You're going from point A to B to C mm. to D to E, wherever until you get to the end of the story, and that is just how the story works. And also, Breath of the Wild, like, kicks that in the people. dick, and it's just like, no, I'm gonna go wherever the fuck I want, and that's where the story's gonna be. Fuck you. Yeah, I've, I've always defended Breath of the Wild story. That was, a, think... hard, uh, that was a hard line they had to, to walk there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I I, we... I'm a huge fan of... It's not so much, like... And I'm gonna go like you know developer interview here, but um, uh, the the story really is like the world and how you interact with it. Um, I do like a lot of the characters in Breath of the Wild, especially like the Rito and, and the Zora. Um, I mean the Goron and Gerudo too. Like they're all involved in this world, but it, it's it's more so of like how this world is and um, just kind of like you know, what the people here are dealing with. I think Breath of the Wild does that pretty well. Yeah. Then you could go bowling. And I mean... 
Yeah. <laughs> Forget about saving the world. You can just go bowling. Great. But the main point I was trying to drive is we can acknowledge that, you know, Mario 64 did a lot for gaming in terms of setting a basis and setting the groundwork for stuff while also being an objectively kind of garbage game. Hmm. <laughs> That's maybe how I kind of see it, because I, I feel like the basis for Ocarina of Time was not set by Mario 64, because Mario 64 introduced some of the mechanics into the 3D world, which then they figured out that these mechanics were shit, and they had to fix exactly. them for Ocarina of Time. Well, exactly, exactly. And that's why Ocarina of Time, I feel like, is the most influential game of all time, if it's not the original Legend of Zelda, but well, we could get into point. that another time. Yeah, but, but Mario 64 is the shit behind Ocarina of Time. Sometimes you gotta take Maybe. a bad shit before you but can take a better shit. at that point, like, Ocarina of Time just fixed all the problems that 3D games had in general... Yeah. Not just Mario no, 64, but really. every yeah. 3D game. I don't think that there's a 3D game before Ocarina of Time that didn't have a problem that Ocarina of Time fixed. Okay, I could dig that. Yeah. I can't think of anything with it. Yeah, and but Our the base before. groundwork that was laid for Ocarina of Time that was the fundamental ideal of how Ocarina of Time would work as a game was not in Mario 64, in my opinion, it was in A Link to the Past. A Link to the Past yeah. should, pretty much gives you the idea of, okay, here's your world, go to the dungeons, do dungeon stuff, come out, beat the Bane bad guy. And that's what Ocarina yep. of Time does, almost to a T, but it took those concepts and it applied them to a 3D world. In the same vein, you could argue that you take Super Mario World, which is my favorite Mario game, and yeah. that went to Mario 64. It did the same kind of things. You, here are your worlds. You explore them. You you go to the end of them. And then eventually you fight the bad guy. And it did a little differently, obviously. It did more, you know, you had to collect more stuff before you got to the final, final bad guy. And you didn't have to go through the... It, it wasn't as linear, obviously. But it was still taking the base platformer concepts of, you know, the difficulty is in navigating the terrain of the environment. So it, it took that, but it put it into a 3D space, and in my opinion, it just didn't work where Ocarina of Time took it, and it did. It just was yeah. like, how do we make because, all this work? And they made it work. They played, because they played with Mario 64 first, and they... Right. They like, figured out all the ways they went wrong in Mario 64 for Ocarina of Time. Yeah, I mean, don't forget, the initial groundwork for Ocarina, it was going to be, like, all taking place in Ganon's castle as a hub world, just like Mario 64. Yeah, and then and they, then they fixed that, it. because that was dumb. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I win! <laughs> the, the point that I was trying to get at... I'm not just, like, refuting that, you know, Zelda is better and did more for 3D gaming, just that Mario 64 started the trend. Like, they, they laid the groundwork for Ocarina to really... But why Mario and 64 and why not any other 3D game before well, that? I mean, it could have been the other way around. <laughs> it could have been Ocarina of Time could have been came first and been the shit, and then Mario 64 could have been amazing. Yeah. 
you're talking also about an era of N64 and PlayStation 1 where the types of games that existed were radically different than the games yeah. that we're playing today. Like, we don't have polished gems like Sonic 2006. <laughs> Alright, that didn't exist way back. Huh? We're talking 64 so, here. We'll never get there um, again. <laughs> we, we, we didn't, we, honestly, we didn't have, we did not have these games. Um, programming and, and building games for Nintendo 64 versus PlayStation 1 were completely different things. So, like, if you try to find something that's comparable to Super Mario 64 for a PlayStation console, I think the closest you can find is Crash Bandicoot. But even then, they're completely different games. That's true, um, but Car Crash Bandicoot also came out in 1996, I believe. So why is Crash Bandicoot not held to the same standard that Mario 64 is? Because Mario 64 kicked ass and it took names. Did Crash Bandicoot not? <laughs> Crash Bandicoot I did. I think when it comes to Crash... I didn't play Crash, a lot that, of Crash, but I, I played enough of it that I was like, I was on board with Crash. I was that like, this era is fun. Had a lot of, like, th there's a lot of very quality 3D platformers mm -hmm. that if you play them now, you will say, man, these suck. <laughs> if you go back and you look <laughs> at... And Crash doesn't even uh, fall into that. It's, it's a bit more of a different game. It's like a 3D platformer, but like... The level structure is very different. If you talk like, a, like you got 3D pl platformers that are like the collectathon ones. You got your Banjo, you got your Spyro, uh, Banjo Tui. Um, even like Conquer falls into this with like the um, with the gun related stuff. Donkey Kong 64. Go play Donkey Kong 64 back. If you if you think that Mario 64 has not aged well. Go play Donkey Kong 64. I remember not really liking Donkey not Kong 64 well. when I was playing it as a kid. <laughs> I love that game. It was, it was cool. I remember it playing it and being like, title. this is like so meh. I, I I didn't play it very much. I played it at a buddy's house one like one time. Um, I, I think the <clears throat> one point I do just want to uh, hone in on is... Um, Ocarina of Time is taking, like, the framework of what Super Mario 64 was, and they changed that engine so, so much. Um, and they included aspects of, of Star Fox 64 in there as well, which was being developed at the same time. Yeah. So stuff like the R-Wing exists in there, and the yeah. targeting system and stuff. Like, that That was more so, like, how do you take 3D platformer and add all that action in? And I think that's what makes Ocarina of Time, like, that huge improvement over Mario 64 in terms of an action game. Whereas if you're looking at like a open platforming game where you can uh, collect stars and collect, do your collectathon stuff, Mario 64 is the one that laid the groundwork for that. That led to your Donkey Kong 64s, your Spyros, uh, your Banjo Kazooie's. Um, whereas if you took Ocarina of Time, it's really just take everything that made A Link to the Past really, really great, put it in 3D, but, like, take the framework that Mario 64 laid out and uh, apply new uh, new rules. Like, Link isn't going around collecting Triforce pieces. He's going around, you know, solving puzzles in dungeons, fighting tons of enemies, 
uh, collecting, maybe he's collecting medallions, not so much Triforce pieces or saving maidens trapped in crystals, but he's doing everything that Link to the Past does. But the parallel I kind of put there with Mario 64 is that he collects Skulltula tokens, and I feel like collecting Skulltula tokens uh. feels a, a lot better than collecting stars, because, like, you collect a Skulltula token, and it doesn't, like, kick you out of the level and make you do the rest of it again if you want to collect mm. a second Skulltula mm. token and stuff like that. Yeah. Psycho, how did that town... How did that town that was so, like, populated and happy just suddenly turn into a fucking war zone? They made Ganon very mad. <laughs> he cursed them all and turned them into, into nopes. Now we're back to normal breakdancing again. Those poor people. We've gone on at least three or four tangents since I introduced our video game topic. Shall we go back to console exclusives or shall we move on? Yeah, I, I mean, a good tie-in for that to get us back on track. Um, <laughs> console ahead. exclusivity does, I think, also lend credence to how well and how, like, influential games can be. And mm. that's why, like, when you were asking why doesn't Crash get the same attention, you know, Crash was a PlayStation game. A lot of people who get got PlayStations were looking for, like, Call of Duty, you know, Metal Gear Solid, things like that. Not so much Crash Bandicoot, you know, platformer-type games. And then also, you know, brand recognition, Crash Bandicoot, you know, if you, if you show someone a picture of Crash... Not everybody is going to recognize him, whereas you show someone a picture of Mario, everybody's mother and their dog is going to know who Mario is. So mm. that also lends credence to that. True. Mm. I think at the time, too, PlayStation's big touting thing was that you could have tons and tons of space being used on a CD, which mm. was a huge win over yeah. um, the Nintendo 64. So, like, if you're talking PlayStation, like, Final Fantasy... Yeah. yeah, that's a true, because that's something I was going to bring up with these console exclusives, was back in that generation, one of the big console exclusives that ended up being a console exclusive, not necessarily because Square had a problem with Nintendo, because Square obviously worked on Nintendo systems for Final Fantasy 1 through 6, but Final Fantasy 7, they could not fit on a cartridge. They yep. made it work on three CDs... But even that was, like, more expensive than other games at the time, you know? It's like they, they had to figure it out somehow, and that's how they ended up doing it. Oh, Shitty it fuck. Devastating. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's something. Uh, Final Fantasy VII is no small game by any means uh, in no. popularity or in, uh, you know whatever, but do you think or, or Final Fantasy 7 would have done better if it had been able by some stretch of the imagination to fit on a Nintendo 64? I don't know. Would that have done... Another interesting thing is would that have ended up making it so that Final Fantasy did not return to a Nintendo system until Final Fantasy XV Pocket Edition. And, and that I, wasn't even the real, quote-unquote, Final Fantasy XV. I think for Final Fantasy, it would have been... Like, it would have been better for Square, because it would have been another platform that they could have done sales on. 
but it would have been, you know, would have hurt Sony a little bit more because it would take away an exclusive. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, that gets back to my original point that I made at the get-go, that software drives hardware. Yeah. Hmm. I, I grew up a Nintendo kid, but <laughs> Final Fantasy tempted me a few times. I'm not gonna lie. I I I wanted to uh, I wanted to cheat on Nintendo a little bit, and and I did. Um, Final Fantasy was the culprit. That was why I got my PSP was so that I could play Final Fantasy games. Mm-hmm. I got my PSP actually on a random whim because a buddy of mine in high school was like, "I don't like my PSP. I want to get a Nintendo DS," and I <laughs> he was like. Will you give me 50 bucks for this? And I was like, yeah, okay. So I got my PSP. At the time, I think they were like 199 new or something like that. Oh, and he was like, just sold it to me for 50 deal. bucks. I was like, fuck yeah. And then I played yeah. all sorts of cool stuff on there. Crisis Core was a really good game. Obviously, yes. they remade Final Fantasy 1 and 2. I mean, technically, they used that remake on a shitload of systems because that was available on Game Boy Advance and PS1 and PSP and uh, maybe something else. I feel like it was on something else too, but now I can't think of what it was. Uh, those were really cool versions of Final Fantasy 1 and 2 as well. Got no idea where I'm going again. This game is weird like that. I, I think just... you had the right idea sliding under the wall. I mean, if nothing else, that's new territory. Yeah, but... How do I... There's a lot of people... What the fuck? I just walked through the wall. Okay, and now I go up here, and now I fall in the hole. Okay, that's what I did last time. I remember that now. Now I'm out of lives, which means I need a new beer, which means we need to pause the podcast recording, recording briefly so that I can go get a new beer. Today's second beer of the week is Deschutes Fresh Haze IPA. Uh, so let's yeah. see how that goes. Also, I got a cool koozie. I got lots of koozies. I don't get drunk, I get awesome. That's what it says on the koozie, if you can't see that. And if you can't see that, it's probably because you're not checking out our YouTube version with really sweet Sonic 06 gameplay. And sometimes, usually, actually, Chris plays Minecraft or Dead by Daylight or something. But uh, today we've got Sonic 06, so that should be good, too. Um, so, Sean? Yes? What happens if later down the line the show gets more popular and you have like an al uh, an alcohol company try to sponsor you like hey we'll give you money but in turn you can only drink our stuff if they will give me a new beer to drink every week I will fucking take it <laughs> <laughs> that's quite the challenge Right? Because that's what I try to do anyways, is I try to have a new beer on the week every podcast. This, you know, this week, obviously, I've had actually two. I've never had this Galactic Cowboy before, and I might have had this Deschutes before, but I have not had it in recent memory, and I don't believe I've had it on the podcast. So it's, again, a, a new thing. Yes, uh, Deschutes is another Colorado beer company. Uh, Left Hand Brewery is as well, who makes this Galactic Cowboy. Uh, so that's what I generally try to promote is Colorado-based breweries 
or not uh, not necessarily always, but at least craft breweries, because I get we get a fair amount of distribution here from California breweries, sometimes from New Mexico or different places around. Montana has a fair amount, Washington has a fair amount, and those places distribute here to Colorado. So I try to get as many different kinds of beer as I can on the podcast, just to promote. Really, one of the things that I am all about is support your local local microbreweries because they make better beer than any of the corporate beer companies you can ever go to. I, As much as I like Guinness, they don't make as good a stout as almost any microbrew stout I've ever had. You know, you go to a microbrewery, they will have a better version of whatever it is you like. If you like Guinness, go find an oatmeal stout, a milk stout, something. You'll probably find something that's better than Guinness. You like Budweiser, go find some kind of lager at your local microbrewery. They'll probably have something similar, but you'll drink it and you'll be like, oh my fuck, this is way better. So that is what we are here about on Drink to the Past, at least one of our things, is about support your local microbrews. They are fucking awesome. So that means you're not going to, when you're rich and famous, go whoring yourself on social media like, hey Budweiser, sponsor us. Hey Bush, sponsor us. Hey Mika, well, okay, maybe not Michelob, but... uh <laughs> Hey, Cora, sponsor us. If they give me money, I'll let them sponsor me. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I'm still going to admit, you know, if, if, if sponsorship means that I have to say, no, don't drink craft brews ever, then fuck that. Go drink a craft brew, you know. At the end of the day, beer is more important to me than money because beer is half of where my money goes anyway. But right. money can the be used to get more beer. The real question is, you've had two different, very different brews tonight. How do they stack up against each other? So the Galactic Cowboy, I think I gave a 12 or 13, something like that. I think you gave it a 12. Yeah. Um, this one is interesting, hoppy and juicy, uh, as you might expect from an IPA. Uh, mouthfeel is fairly generic. Um, it is a little hazy, as it says. It's called Fresh Haze IPA. It's not the haziest IPA I've ever had. But it's got certainly that kind of thing. Um, hmm. Yeah, it's it's a really nice sipping beer. It's... It's a little hard to describe because it's it's really almost like drinking fucking juice or something you know it's not like so much a beer as it is just like a, a nice easy drinking sweet thing which i think there's a time and place for beers like that like a hot summer night like tonight because mm -hmm. colorado has had nothing but hot summer nights except for that week that it snowed for no reason because we're in colorado <laughs> <laughs> uh and I'm okay with that. Um, I'm gonna give this one, give it a give it a nice 14. That is a nice easy right. sipping thing. It's Solid. you know it's not it's too far in any direction. It's not it's not super malty as you don't you don't generally expect. Normally I like like a little more malt content than is in your average IPA, but in this case it really just kind of works with whatever it's doing. Uh, to bring you that l really just juicy flavor. It's, um, like you know, a flower. 
not not quite so much a flower. It's it really just reminds me a little bit of orange juice. It's not really orange juice style flavor, but that's kind of the kind of idea that I uh, that I'm coming out with is is like you know it's just it's like fucking juice. Okay. Yeah. Orange. We'll a that's a decent beer. I get, um... Like the can. Yeah. Well, um, we'll do a thing where, uh, when Skip and I will go out, I'll, I'll usually get an IPA, mm-hmm. and Skip, Skip doesn't drink beer, um, I'm but sorry. I've gotten her to have a sip or two, and um, usually Sometimes what I stick my finger in it. The thicker <laughs> finger in, yeah. Um, but what we'll do is I'll get the beer, I'll take a sip, and then I'll pass the beer to her. And she'll smell the beer and say, oh, it smells like a beer that would taste pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it smells okay. Smells well, okay. So how does I the beer smell? You, get a um, lot you, you can smell. get a lot off the nose. I yeah. feel like, for me, I feel like you don't get as much off the nose out of a beer out of a can. But uh, I'll, I'll kind of crack that a little like bit a more, draft. get a little bit more nose in here. Nothing, nothing beats a draft beer. In... Except two draft beers. <laughs> One for each hand. I'll drink to that. <laughs> um, or maybe maybe draft beer at home. How's that sound? That sounds even better. If I, that. Yeah, as, as soon as I have a garage, the first thing I'm going to put in there is a fucking kegerator. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I live in my little condo now, and it's fine for now, but, uh, you know... I really just want, like, a, a big-ass space for a kegerator. Half keg could get you a, a long ways, you know, through. That's true. My brother, uh, when we used to live at home with our parents, my brother worked at uh, Golden City Brewery. is another little local brewery out here. Uh, if you're in the Colorado area, check them out. They have the best beer in the fucking world. But uh, he worked there for a while, and uh, every now and then would bring home just, like, a little, like, uh, pony keg kind of thing. And um, some of that was was just really awesome to just have on hand. I, I remember we also used to go to this uh, little gaming cafe thing. It's called uh, Maximum Gamer, and it's like you you buy time there to use their PC computers to play different games that they have just installed for you already. So it was a kind of a cool place, and, and I remember when we used to go there, he'd always have a cherry Coke bottle, and, he, and he'd go fill it full of beer in the back of his truck and come back in and be like, oh, I'm gonna go get more cherry coke! <laughs> Sorry, Josh, I'm <laughs> ratting you out. <laughs> I can relate to that. I've done that at a few Magic the Gathering pre-releases with, uh, with a coffee cup instead of a cherry coke bottle. But that, that had a, a, a nice uh, tall boy of uh, Bud Light in there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the giveaway is that you don't drink coffee, so... Yeah, well, none of them knew that. They thought I was a big coffee drinker to stay awake. <laughs> I was falling around on the magic table. There you go. So now i got to slide under that wall, but first got to know where that wall is. So uh, is there any kind of final thoughts we want to talk about on console exclusives, or shall we move on to our table topic? I think we're good on console exclusives. I do want to point out one um, outstanding fact. Mm-hmm. When we're looking at, like, what game is influential, and we talked a lot about comparing N64 to PlayStation 1, 
and we left out the Sega Saturn because uh, I don't know who who had a Sega Saturn. Um, Chris, my co-host that is normally. Oh here. yeah. Yeah. Sega Saturn was a Saturn guy. Among other things, um, yeah, he had he had a bunch of different. He was big into Sega, I think, because he was the guy that got me into Nights yeah. into Dreams a little bit, and. Uh, well, that game's a trip. Yeah. I feel I'm like it's not my, anything oh, but a trip, but it, it was it was decent. It was interesting. It was. I feel like it would have been so much better if I had been on acid. <laughs> it seems like a game that you should be on for it. Not that I condone or partake in any uh, things that you put in your mouth like that, but yeah, um, I won't go into detail. Like but there's one story be. that Chris shows, shared with me that. Uh, I, I am pretty much, like, never going to do acid because of this story. So, uh, here's to Chris. Cheers. To acid. I mean to Chris. <laughs> um, the, Drink the to whatever you want closing, to. The closing point I want to make here is that the PlayStation outsold the N64 by a very large margin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A huge margin. Um, and we want to talk, like, further consoles. PlayStation 2 is the PlayStation 2 is the most sold console yeah ever all time ever oh yeah I did not know that it is the highest sold console in the world of all time to the point where there might be a FIFA 2020 I don't know if there is there is for PlayStation 2 oh Um, that being said the Switch is on track to outpace the PS2. That would be that'd be great. That'd, that'd be cool. Yeah, if it Bring keeps its numbers, you know, the way they've been going, it's it's definitely possible. So I think that's a very exciting thing for Switch. But uh, anyways, sure. shall we get into our table topic? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so our table topic today is uh, go-to systems for uh, various tabletop RPG play and uh, why you love your go-to system and what it would take to replace your go-to system if you were ever to find a new thing that finally took over and was like, okay, this is just better, I'm going to go and play this system now. And this is a topic that I get into uh, because where I'm coming from, I started in 3.0 Dungeons & Dragons and eventually worked my way into 3.5 and Pathfinder. And now 3.5 with a little bit of Pathfinder mixed in basically as house rules is kind of where I am today as a as a tabletop gamer. I play almost exclusively 3.5 and Pathfinder games with, you know, the groups that I play with. And we dabble in other things here and there. We'll do a 5th edition campaign here. We'll do a, a, you know, an OD&D campaign there and different things like that. But at the end of the day, we pretty much come back to 3.5, which is, I think, partially the reason for that is that it was like, you know, it's it's partially it's close enough to my first system uh, that I, like, really just dig everything that 3.5 ever did. And also, it uh, it's, it's just a lot more customizable than uh, any of the newer editions. 4th edition and 5th edition just don't feel like they have nearly the same customization as 3.5 did, even, you know, however many years later. Um, Just 3.5 was... 
ridiculously customizable because they reduced, you know, even just in the core rule books, it was pretty customizable. And then they re kept printing material for years and years and years after the release to where there's, you know, including third party. Like, there's yeah, there's now. third party stuff still coming out now, especially for Pathfinder, which. Pathfinder, while it's technically a different system, is 100% compatible with 3.5 Dungeons & Dragons. So if you're playing 3.5, you can buy a Pathfinder book, and it'll work. That's right? Bonkers. With literally no uh, problem. Oh, you're riding them like the, the orca whale. This is where Sonic was training before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it all leads up to this. Now you, now you switch to Tails. Got that grip strength. So yeah, I wondered where everybody else kind of came from as far as RPGs go, and uh, you know what your guys's uh, go-to RPGs are. I think Crow, you've talked about uh, Fifth Edition being your main one uh, before on the podcast. Am I right? Or right, I've only ever played Fifth Edition thus far, so <laughs> I don't have much to input as far as you know go-to, but. I guess, as far as like what it would take to shake me off of it, I have no idea. Ease of entry, customizability, just, I don't know, how, how engaging it is the biggest thing. That is one thing that I definitely think that 5th edition has over 3.5 is ease of uh, entry. Ease of entry. Is, yeah, because you get into a 5th edition campaign, uh, you know, y you have no problem. Like, you can get four buddies who are interested who have never played a tabletop before buy you know the player's handbook and figure it out right mm -hmm. and in other games that's just not even close to the case right in yeah. like 3.5 like you might be able to do that depending on how how savvy you are but really in 3.5 the best scenario is like at the very least the DM has a vague idea of how the system works, right? Yeah. You would hope. Yeah. I mean, ideally, the DM should know how the system works, or the GM, depending on your system, because I'm not necessarily saying D&D &D is better than any other system, but obviously D&D &D is the most popular tabletop system in the world, and has right, been since up. it came out. So, you know... Um, yeah. Uh, so what do you guys play, uh, Skip or Kevin? Kevin, take it. I'll, I'll take the wheel here. Um, so I got into the tabletop scene playing 5th edition. I want to say I'm more of a, a newer player. Um, I got in playing 5th edition. We started with um, Minds of Philander. Mm -hmm. And I did a lot of research through the player's handbook to kind of like spearhead my gaggle of original players who, out of that group that I first started playing with, um, there's three of us that still play today. Mm -hmm. uh, the other three kind of just went off and weren't really as interested in it. Right. Um, and I've since like um, incorporated a larger group. But. Um, Playing 5th Edition was, like, my intro into the series. I played Stars Without Numbers as well. Okay. Um, and I had a lot of help from uh, 
uh, the DM that hosted that game to kind of like get into that. Like he helped us on Roll Twenty with getting our character sheets and saying like, all right, yeah, like here's kind of like we homebrewed a lot of things. This is Star Wars based campaign we played through yeah. the set. Um, fifth edition, I think, has a lot of there's a lot of like separate source materials. Um, I find like a lot of what uh, Wizards is doing, Wizards of the Coast is doing with um, some of the magic, um, magic gathering like aspects into the game is, is helping me get like reinvested back into it. Um, and I love looking back at some of the lore for uh, different races in like 3.5 or some older flavors of D&D um, that kind of like get me like reinvigorated back into uh, just playing a tabletop game. Um, right. Some games that don't necessarily go off systems, like um, I've played uh, Betrayal at House and Hill, and that game has more of like a, a boiled down, like you have a might and sanity, whereas you you like break them down into two separate things and um, you play the game with like drawing tiles and a haunted house. It's it's a really fun time. It's a really good, um, I think, introductory like tabletop board game for people that. It includes rules, but you want to have a person that's invested enough to maybe think they're on the fringe of a D&D campaign, but they don't, like, want to bite the bullet or, like, you know, uh, pull the trigger and do it. Um, it kind of, like, mm -hmm. um, streamlines a few things for you. I think those kinds of games are a lot of fun, provided yeah. there's not too many rules. Um, I've been playing 5th edition for a few years. And I just started playing, due, due to the nature of the world that we live in, um, I've been playing remotely on Roll20, and the beautiful aspect of that is that I've been able to play that live over the internet. Yeah. And what that has allowed me to do is I've been able to live stream it and uh, like play with my, you know, with my friends in this D&D group and broadcast to be able to show Skip. Mm. Um, like a D and D game, and show and show the boys too. Like, you know, here's a D and D game, and you know, here's like all the fun that you can do. Like, you can create this character and, and put this on like a virtual board or a real board, and say like, all right, yeah, like I'm a wizard, and you're a wizard, Harry, and a thumping good one. <laughs> um, you're a divination <laughs> wizard. You're a, a Naga wizard that's part of this mercenary gang who's going to help out. And, do this stuff to like define whatever the group is going to do that day. The um, um the boys have gotten really excited about it. Like I'm surprised because yeah. it doesn't look like much when you sit down. It's not like watching you know Sonic you know Sonic 2006 here. Like <laughs> it's um it's 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 not a lot to look at. But my oldest. Um, has gotten really interested in D&D just watching Kevin and his friends just like sit there and talk and you know roll like you know uh, this dice on the screen um, the virtual dice um, it's been pretty cool and, and, and watching them figure it out too like uh, my oldest doesn't know any of the, uh, the rules or anything but just watching them he's like He's figuring it out. Right. Yeah, like, as a show, it's sort of... I just fucking fell into the goddamn sand. Who is that? Sonic, Sonic can't swim in sand. I guess? I 
can't walk on sand either? Fucking idiot. He's too heavy. Terrible. Too many chili dogs. Too many chili dogs. <laughs> Shit. Um, that's that's I, a good reference to the old Sonic cartoon. I'll drink to that. <laughs> or the comic books, yeah. Archie Fuck comics. yeah. Um, I think uh, just having D&D as like a watchable thing has been um, kind of like the gateway of, of me um, brainwashing Skip into um, accepting this as a thing. But no, I don't know, like, you have an interest. I know that, Aww. Skip. Like, you want to play. So cute, thinking you can brainwash me. That's adorable. <laughs> You've been living inside <laughs> my head rent-free, and I didn't even know. <laughs> Um, there, there's something special about D&D. Um, it's it's happening again! I think you got to jump, dude. I guess, but why? Uh, look at that sand. That's a, that's a pretty big divot. This question mark might tell you. <laughs> what? I, I, I can't even. Yeah, D&D uh, with my kids has been an interesting thing, because, like, my kids wouldn't probably know what D&D was if it wasn't for actually quarantine, and uh, the fact that I had to... Oh, shit. <laughs> I felt fucking... I'm, why am I not surprised that I fell through a weird boundary like that? But, yeah, I, um, I started actually... My kids got interested when I was designing a Roll20... Uh, campaign because um, I'd never done any kind of online D&D &D at all before quarantine started and then I started doing Roll20 with a buddy of mine and uh, our group kind of had to go virtual basically because you know we were like okay it's this quarantine now we can't really meet in person at my house anymore right and so I was designing my with the stand here. press right trigger like, huh. hold it down or something while you're Yeah, because I'm doing that, like, to blow up the robots, but I can't tell what's going on. But, yeah, my kids were like, hey, what are you doing when I'm... Why does that let me stand on the sand? It's the power of you and Final Fantasy Lady. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, yeah, my kids were like, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm designing a game. It's, it's Dungeons & Dragons. And they were kind of interested from there and actually the system that I started them on because they were interested was not Dungeons and Dragons but actually a system that uh, I mostly I designed with a little bit of co-design help from Chris um, is a system we call SSSS which is the super simple super system which we basically invented because superhero tabletop RPG systems like the hero system or whatever are usually very complicated and you have to spend a lot of time just learning the system to even make a character and we wanted a system that you could pick up the book and have some buddies and decide one of you as a GM and just like everybody has 10 or 15 minutes to make a character and get playing but without losing any of the customization that is available in systems like the hero system so i took some concepts from the hero system and i built some concepts of my own and uh chris helped me along the way with some of the numbers and things and some of the other design aspects and really we ended up <clears throat> making a very customizable system that 
didn't sacrifice anything from as far as i can tell it really didn't sacrifice any customization and you can literally like i've got together with groups to play test this in like 10 minutes so that's the system that i kind of decided to get my kids started on and it totally worked and they were having tons of fun and they could just you know roll the dice and add their modifier and and just be happy Same with what it they wanted to do. yeah and that yeah, kind of brings me back going. to the point of uh, yeah. what I love about 3.5, like I said before, one of the things is that it's just so customizable. And for me to get invested into another system, it would take at least that amount of customization, but it, out would, it would have to be in a similar vein to the system that we've created, not to toot our own horn or anything except for you know eventually we hope to publish this and you know make something off of it hopefully is is kind of my my pipe dream there i'm kind of like sure. you know i'd, I'd, I'd like yeah. to publish this and make some dough off of it but if not you know even if i just get my name out there and you know publish something that people like i'd be happy enough with that so um but yeah it's, what is that guy doing right there? I have no idea, but he seems to be invincible. <laughs> Fun in the stuff. Like he was waiting for you to hit him on the. All right. Maybe. I think he's dead yeah. now. But yeah. Um. So it would have to be as customizable as 3.5, but with an easier buy-in. You know, you wouldn't have to be sure. nearly as complicated. Because that's something that's really intimidated a lot of players that I've played with. That. 3.5 like it's customizable as shit but like it's a fairly steep learning curve and you know if you don't have one person in the group who knows what they're doing it's hard to get into uh yeah. and even for some people that i've played with like i know what we're doing i'm introducing you to this system it's still sometimes hard for people to get into because they're like, you know what you're doing, but to me, you're just spouting off lots of numbers and rules, and at the end of the day, it just seems like a lot of complicated stuff that doesn't need to be so complicated. And I'm like, I kind of get that, especially from 5th edition players who are, again, with that easier barrier of entry, are just like, everything should be, you know self-explanatory which fifth sure. edition i feel like is generally fairly self-explanatory even with fifth edition though there's a lot of things that um kind of become complicated and maybe this is coming from like a magic player where there's like turns and there's orders to things and there's like just certain kind of like almost keywords that you can do where yeah. it's like, what if I wanted to grapple a guy? And it's like, you want to grapple a person? Alright, well, let me turn to page, like, 76 through 85 on how how you can grapple a person. Um, and if you're if you're spellcasting, it's just kind of damning. Um, yeah. You want to be able to do, like, cool stuff to be like, alright, yeah, I just want to shoot fire out of my hands. And it's like, well, hold on, though. you don't want to take that spell. You want to take lightning bolt or this one. Right, yeah, because you'll have, you know, like, this'll do your fireball, or, but this one will be, like, more damage overall or something, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's, it, 
Or this spell is better if you build your entire character around it, you know, stuff like that. It's Mm. definitely... I don't think there's probably an RPG system that's entirely free of that kind of thing. But... I mean, yeah, you're building a character, so you have, like, weights and balances that you need to make on, like, what your character wants to be and wants to do. Yeah. But there, there are certain things with 5th edition where it's, like, there's, like, four options that kind of suck, and then there's, like, one that's clearly superior, but it may not be superior to everybody, and if you have a person that wants to do something for flavor, it's just, like, why don't you just have the option to be, like, Alright, you want to deal damage to a person. Do you want to deal it as, like, ice damage, fire, or lightning, or what have you? You know, it's kind of funny you should mention that, because that's sort of how I designed our super system, is that, uh, basically, the numbers are kind of written in stone, but you get to design the flavor behind every single thing that you do, which is how it ends up being so customizable, because there's basically a power creation rule, in our system that you get this many points to spend on your power and this type of power that deals damage causes this much this type of power that causes a stat effect does you know this much costs this many points and eventually you're just basically spending points in order to create literally whatever power you want and i've gone to the lengths of like going to Twitter and, like, asking people for what they think is complicated powers and seeing if I could create it in my system. And I have so far yet to find a power that I can't just be like, this is how it works in my system. What about Arcane Eye? Uh, what does Arcane Eye do? A very random divination spell that lets you, like, creep around walls and see stuff for, like, an hour or two. Okay. Yeah, I could create that in my system fairly easily because one of the things that I have in my uh, system is called a utility power. It's like if a particular thing, non-combat related, it comes up, you can do a particular non-combat related action. And so this would fall under that category. So you would basically create it as a non-combat action that you could just do, like, probably just at will, and, you know, like, okay, I can just, like, look around corners and see what's there. Okay, that's how the power works, then that's what happens. Cool. This sounds like a way to break the poison, right, Skip? Heck yeah. Yeah, it was funny, because I, I, I asked my kids about it, and, like, they designed such weird heroes, and, like, one of my kids was like, oh, I'm going to be a guy with a big giant sword. And, and my other kid was just like, I'm going to throw bombs at people. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, sounds like, sounds, that sounds like the middle boy. That sounds like Turner. And then that sounds like Liam. Yep, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that Damn it. It's pretty spot on, yeah. I can stand yeah, on this right? Am I right? I'm using my shield. This is weird. Yeah, that's. That's my middle child. It's always the middle child. I don't have a middle child. I only have two, so it's like, I guess it kind of (laughs) works. They they share that middle child. Well, if you want that, you know, if you want your youngest to ever be corrupted, have another one. Make him the middle child. (laughs) He'll 
you'll see a you'll see a shift. Right. We've thought about it. We're like maybe. <laughs> we'll go for it and see what oh. happens. His uh, fate lies in that balance right there. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong He's with the tutor. This is true. We'll get you playing D and D, Skip. We'll get you on five. Oh. oh, I don't doubt I don't it. Know. Like you're you're pretty laser focused on that. Oh, yeah. yeah, one of these days we, we can do it on Drink to the Past, because, uh, uh, Crow, if yeah, you I still owe not you a DM, DM session. <laughs> yeah, because Crow said his first DM session ever would be on Drink to the Past, so maybe we'll get Crow's first DM session and Skip's first, uh, actual play session in the same session. Totally. That'd be awesome. Totally disregarding the fact oh. that I've DM'd, like, four sessions since. Shh! <laughs> I mean, um, yes, first, first ever. Yeah. Hey, yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we we were just talking about like what what um, D and D character you would be in real life. Like what is the the most uh, like your mood ring of D and D character? Like what <laughs> class would you be? Why can't I move? Because sand. <laughs> course, it gets everywhere. It's coarse. It's grainy. <laughs> Well, we were just asking, um, this doesn't have to do with D&D, &D, but the question of the day was if you were to live to see the uh, PlayStation, like, go through its different um, console evolutions, and let's say that it continues on PlayStation 6, PlayStation 7, what is going to be the last console that you play before you, before you die? I play something Nintendo. And but I mean, I like, for me, like, yeah. it was, I did the, I did the uh, very complicated math, and I found out that I'd, I'd make myself all the way to PlayStation 19 if I'm lucky. Yeah, because I guess average life expectancy is, what, something around 70 years or so? I gave myself oh, more than years. that. I think it's is, 75. Is it 70, uh, 80? I, 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 I was guessing 70 or 80. I, I'm not 100% sure, but yeah. Uh, so, and how often does a new console come around every... We said, like, every four years. Every four years? Okay, so, you know, I'm, I'm 29, you know, if I live to 80, that's another 50 years. So 50 divided by four is 12 and a half, so 12 and a half more PlayStations after five is 17. Right? And change, yes. you make it to, like, the 18. Yes, 17. Yeah, I might yes, get to 18. 18. We'll give you 18. PS 18. Yeah. Crow, you're a little younger than me, aren't you? Yeah, I'm 24, turning 25 here soon. Yeah. Right? Yes. Skip's making it past PS 20, that's for sure. I'm going for it. I'm saying PS 20. I'm not. It's what, every seven years? Skip's a young 22. Give me a second. To... I'm I'm six I'm sixteen. <laughs> you know it's okay. My dad has been twenty nine for forty years. Good for him. Well, I agree. <laughs> what a guy. <laughs> yeah, we just celebrated my grandpa's twenty first birthday for the like twentieth time. Mm, what a miracle. Wow, he's only forty one. 
The miracle of life. <laughs> we celebrated our 21st together. Grandpa's gonna outlive us all. Yeah. He's gonna make it to PlayStation like 79. Like, what the fuck, Grandpa? <laughs> Come on, you don't even game, man. You don't even game, man. That's that's the trick. Don't game, and you'll make it. Do you even game, bro? <laughs> all right. Yeah, is there anything am, else we want to say on this table topic, here. or shall we uh, be done for the day? I'm I'm done. Kev, you Kev, you good? Yeah, so I, what would it take play, you guys to stop playing play 5th edition, edition and have a new system? I guess is our kind of last part of our question there. It's, it's hard because I am so invested in 5e. Like, I know it all, you know? To the yeah. point where, like, I've, I've read books about things that I will never ever... I will never ever play or experience it. <laughs> but I know it. You know, that's I a know funny book, thing about 3.5 is actually I... Uh, went over to my dad's house the other day and uh he was like hey here's this box of stuff that is my brother's and he was like are you gonna can you bring it down to his house and i brought him some of it and i stole all of his old 3.0 3.5 D, D books and i've just been like occasionally looking through them just to see and i'm like 90 percent of it is stuff i'm never gonna use in my life in D, because most of the stuff that I do as a DM is I just make homebrew stuff for whatever I happen to do. I'm just like, okay, I need a Kraken. I can make a hilarious Kraken, right? I do all, like, <laughs> almost all homebrew stuff. And, uh, but I, I still think it's, hey, there you go. If I had a shot of Kraken, I'd, I'd, I'd drink it, but my Kraken Ooh, is up yeah, on top of the fridge. Quality right there. Kraken, yeah. and, Kraken and Coke. Mm-hmm. I've never had Kraken and Coke because I just love Kraken so much that every time I have Kraken and Coke, I'm like, here's a Kraken and here's a Coke and I'm going to drink them separately. That's you can fine. do that. that. That's fine. That's yeah. Kraken and Coke. Yeah. I, well, do, that. I do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. I think that's going to about do it for our podcast then. So thank you anybody who's listening and or watching for joining us. As always, my name is Sean Michael Patrick Thompson, the host of Drink to the Past. Uh, you can catch me on twoguysplayingzelda.com. I write articles occasionally. I have a new one that I have an idea for that I'm going to publish eventually. Uh, that'll be cool. Uh, about why I'm accidentally an Xbox gamer, which a little bit of that we explored earlier on the podcast. And, of course, uh, we always have my co-host, Chris isn't here today, Audette. So, because Ooh. he's not here, we all have to, like, laugh at him. Ha <laughs> ha, Chris, you're not here. <laughs> what a douche. Chris, and, uh, thank you again there. to our three special guests this week. Uh, Skip, as always, you are great. Hey. Apparently. Even though this is the first time you're here, this is, as, as always, you're, you're... She's always great. Just wonderful. <laughs> She's lovely. Can confirm she is lovely. All right, I'll drink to that. I don't dis- I don't do not disappoint. All right, and uh, good old Mister Shabazzle, Kevin O'Rourke. It's me, Long Island's finest. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and good old Crow. Yeah, we hardly knew you. Just there. I don't think I need to plug anything at this point. Right? Yeah, you know where to find Crow. Probably if you've been a fan of the podcast for a little while however uh crow do we have a little thing to cross promote here yes we have a special crossover event uh stream video thing whatever 
coming on October 23rd between Drink to the Past and my group channel of four players. It'll be fun. It'll be booze. There'll probably be some tears. <laughs> It'll be some laughs and good time. Yeah, so, so definitely check that out because uh, that's going to come on and we're going to have a big old crossover. So uh, if you haven't heard of Crow's other channel, The Four Players, check them out on YouTube. They have some gameplay clips and various things with uh, a bunch of fun banter. Check them out for sure. Yeah. And uh, as always, we've, we're have we just drink to the past and we're going to have a big old crossover event uh, next month. So be sure to stay tuned. All right, and now is the final segment of the podcast where we just say, like, whatever just random shit happens to flow in the conversation until somebody says something really, really awkward, and then I cut the podcast off. I would love to have, like, a compilation of all of the ending statements one of these days. Maybe that'd be something I'll do when you hit uh, the 100th episode. Um, right, yeah, do a compilation of all of the, just just all of the clips of the final, like, two seconds of the podcast where we say something just... Uh, right. What's the usually it's sexual, somehow. Just somehow ends up like that. Yeah. I think last time I was on the show, I started showing off some games that I had kicking around. And I recently went to my parents, and I had this, like, I had this big stack of Zelda games that I picked up. Awesome. Um, so, like, I, I scooped up a Skyward Sword with the soundtrack. Oh, like, yeah, I've got that version. Yeah, we have that one. soundtrack in there. Yeah, I have that version. Here, hold on. Let me see if I can match your uh, soundtrackiness. That, that'll be awesome. I'm always happy whenever someone trades in Skyward Sword and it has the soundtrack in it. All my uh, Wii games are in the back, and I don't want to take out all my Switch games, so you win this Kevin, round. Kevin, <laughs> this means we have two. We have my copy, and we have your copy. That's right, yeah. Awesome. Um, I, uh, I, I scooped up uh, Four Swords Adventures. Four Swords Adventures is just an awesome oh, game. I was looking around for my Game Boy Advance cables the other day, because I was, I was so pissed off about the uh, PS4 and Switch version of... Uh, um, <laughs> What's the game? Uh, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. That I was just like, fuck this. I'm just gonna play it on GameCube. <laughs> and I, I was thinking of that. And I, I, I think I found all four of my uh, Game Boy Advance link cables, but I only have two Game Boy Advances. So it's like, damn it. Oh, I really, when, really hope that they bring it to Switch. When my uh, which boys. One? Uh, four Swords Adventures. Yeah. That would be really great on Switch because you could just like add Joy-Con support and just which which is, but that's the problem with Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles is they could have done that and they just didn't. They're just like no, no local multiplayer, and I'm like, what is the point of this game without more local multiplayer? Fuck you, Square. I'm gonna buy everything you ever make except for this. <laughs> when when my. I was just saying, when my boys played Four Swords Adventures on the GameCube with the Game Boy Advances, like, it was, like, I real, it was like, I realized why I had children. Nice. Was to watch that game finally be played the way it was supposed to be played. It's the only reason. Yeah, it's the only reason. To watch Four Swords. <laughs> Look at the price tag for the little GameStop price tag for oh, that's uh, an old one. Princess on GameCube. 
30 bucks. That's an old school. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's actually not bad, because some of those old GameCube games I've found out are, like, really expensive. I'm kind of surprised the Twilight... Pr yeah. I guess because Twilight Princess got the Wii version as well is probably why it's not... Yeah, I guess that's probably why it's not as much. Because uh, I was looking up... Because uh, I found my old copy of um, Fire Emblem Path of Radiance. And I was looking yeah, it up. And that, like game that game is like 300 bucks. Uh, used. I it, yeah. And I was just Holy like, oh my god, that's crap. insane. $300? Yeah, and I was just yeah. like, I looked up like all my other games, and some of the other ones I have are up uh, $100 or $200 as well, and I was like, yeah. oh my god, I'm sitting on a gold mine, but I love these <laughs> games so much that I'm never going to benefit from it. <laughs> There's yeah, uh, like the, the kids that grew up with GameCube, like, they have that expendable income now, and they, and they want these games. <laughs> There's a, a game like game uh, the original Shantae games GameStop sells it for like 400 bucks I believe it yeah will that change now that limited run is doing another run of Game Boy color cartridges for it that'll probably tank the price maybe yeah because that's what I've been kind of looking because it's it's 45 I think on limited run for a cartridge and I've been thinking, like, as soon as Payday comes in, I'm pretty sure I'm just going to be like, okay, I'm getting Shantae on Game Boy Color. But now I'm I'm wondering, though, because that'll kind of, it'll change the market, but it'll be a difference between do you have a limited run cartridge or do you have an original cartridge? So I'm wondering right. if that'll really affect it that much. And I, I think yeah. it will affect it some because it, it'll be easier to find a Game Boy Color cartridge, but I also am not sure how much that'll affect it because I think you know it's the it collector value the of the original versus the collector value of a a limited run right. game. I don't think it'll impact the value to the collectors who are looking for vintage cartridges, but to the layman, you know, I just want to play Shantae on Game Boy Color. You know, yeah. drop the value. Yeah, because that's kind of where I'm at. Is like. I would, like, never spend that much on Shantae. Like, I've... Shantae is a weird series where I've also... I, I was talking about this earlier <laughs> on several other series that I've just been eyeing it from the side, being like, I should get into that, and I never have. And now I'm like, now I could get into that series on the original hardware. I still have my Game Boy Color in my closet. I'm gonna fucking bring it out, buddy. So... Yeah, it's it's very difficult, but um, there's especially with like NES and Super NES now. There's a lot of repro um, folks that will like make reproduction cartridges or even like mods to games or like ROM hacks to games of like way way back like NES, Super NES. Yeah, um, it's funny because I've actually I seen like Nintendo sixty four copies of uh, Ocarina of Time Master Quest because of that. Yeah, which technically only released on yeah. GameCube, but then people took that mod and, you know, put it onto an N64 and made a cartridge. Yeah, right here. Yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. version, too. There's a few versions of the Master Quest version yeah. as well, too. That's one that Some I have at my parents' house Quest. somewhere, and I'm just like, I, I want to find it. This is like over 100 bucks, I feel. Yeah, I, I looked that up. I think it was 125 or something around there. And I was just... Because the reason I looked that one up was actually because I was like, 
I know I have it somewhere, but I can't find it. I was like, okay, I didn't spend that much on it when I bought it, because I didn't get it with yeah. the GameCube. I got it used, but I got it used in the generation where the GameCube was the system, right? And so I, got I think it with the Wind Waker from Kmart, with the Kmart edition Wind Waker. Nice. Exclusive bonus comes with the uh, the guide. Oh wow! This was huge. That's kind of cool. Yeah, because I, I, I had... played the GameCube Ocarina of Time more than I played Wind Waker, to be honest. I mean, that's true for me too, because I've, I've I played a ton of the N sixty four Ocarina of Time, and then when the Ocarina of Time version, I actually have. The other version of Ocarina of Time I have is also on GameCube. I have the Zelda Collector's Edition, uh, which, that. yeah, I got that sure. was when I got my GameCube. Yeah, that one. There you go. And this uh, is the buggiest version of the Jorah's <laughs> Mask in the world. It is the absolute is it? buggiest. Huh? Is it really? I played this in Mississippi in 2013 at the ZD Marathon. First year I was there, and. Um, I played this against Mr. Caleb Simpson, who was playing off the N64. I got hit by a keys at Stone Tower towards the end of the game. I died, the game crashed, I had no save, it loaded me back to Koron. Um, <laughs> like, you know, I was just turning into Darunia. Wow, that does make sense. Um, uh, uh, oh boy. Skip, help me out. I know, who, Darmani. Darmani. I know who you're talking about. Darmani, the Gor yeah. Darmani. Thank you. Yeah, yeah Darmani. Sorry, I was just so enthralled with your story. I was, yeah. I, I was spacing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of funny because that's the only version of Majora's Mask I've ever played. Other than I later I got Majora's Mask 3D, but I didn't get as much into it because the bosses were just changed so much that it was weird. And yeah, even with as little as I played it on the GameCube, I was just like. This is so alien to me, and I, I couldn't get into it on... And I was just like, uh, you know what? My so save on my GameCube is further ahead than this anyway. I'm just eventually going to pick up my save on GameCube and beat the rest of the game. Because I got... Plunk yeah. down, take a look at a guide, and, and try 3D Majora's Mask. It, it's, it's pretty great. Okay. I, I actually did have a guide on part of Majora's Mask 3D because eventually I was just like, I want to just finish this because Majora's Mask is one of the two Zelda games that I've never beat. And it kind of kills me that I've one? never beat uh, Majora's Mask or Zelda 2. Oh, those ones are both great. And it's Zelda 2, like, I'll agree with you on Majora's Mask. It's a good game. It's got a lot going for it. But Zelda 2 is just a game that I just, as many times as I play it, trying to like it, I just cannot find a single redeeming factor beyond the music. I'm like, I really dig the temple theme. I really dig a lot that's going on with it. Like, even just the title menu is really awesome music. But beyond that, I'm just like, the gameplay suffers so much. It's, 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 it's nope. I, I don't even feel like the problem is that it's hard, though, because um, Zelda 1 is hard, but Zelda 1 is hard in a way that feels fair. Zelda 2 is hard in a way yeah. that feels unfair, where it's like, literally the first dungeon, you're fighting Stalfos, and they fight with you with a sword and shield, except for your sword and shield, you can attack up and block up, or attack yeah, down and block right. down, and whichever one you are, your sword and shield are at the same place, and the Stalfos can attack down while they block up 
or vice versa. So it's literally in the first dungeon that you're fighting an enemy that is literally the same as you, except it has a better ability for combat. And the hitboxes are weird, and just, just, I, I, it kills me as a Zelda fan that I have a Zelda game that I really don't like, but I fucking hate this game. It's fucking it, terrible. It hurts my eyes. It hurts my eyes. Eyes scrolling with all the, the bricks. Mm -hmm. Oh, it hurts mine so too. Many, yeah. There's so many bricks. Especially <laughs> in, in the first palace too. It's like a little rough. You know what, Sean? I think for the first ever Drink to the Past like continuous game, I think you need to beat uh, Zelda 2 on the show. Be a long I mean, you got it. You got it on the it, Switch now. You don't have to do it. I mean, all technically, I got podcast. it on a couple. I I got a save that's a fair way in on the GameCube. Actually, on again that Zelda Two disc or the uh, Zelda Collector's Edition disc has Zelda One and Two on it, and I think that's the furthest I've ever got. I think I got to level five or six. That's pretty good. And I, I, I powered through that point, and then I just couldn't go anymore. I I don't remember exactly where I was edition. anymore. Do you have Switch Online? I do have Switch Online, so maybe the special, special edition would edition. help. Cause you that... start with level 9 everything. Okay. And you can, like, it's still it's still challenging on, like... Yeah, because you know, one of the things about do, that game is it's, like... Is yeah, one of my problems with that game was, like, you could grind and grind and grind, but, like, if you weren't good at the game, you still probably die just as much. The... So the trick isn't so much grinding. The trick is... <laughs> getting your combat skill up instead of your magic and health. So you sacrifice magic and health, mm. but you only level up your like combat abilities so that when you actually beat the palace, you're you're not leveling up like the experience that you need to level up your health and magic is like 50 or 100, uh -huh. but your experience to level up like your combat is like 3000 experience. Mm -hmm. But what happens is, is when you beat that palace, it takes the next attainable goal and maximizes that all the way through. So right. you end up with like a difference of like 2,900 experience that adds to um, like your combat ability. So mm -hmm. like your combat's for it and you become a glass cannon. It makes the game really like challenging, but it makes it easier to beat. Because okay. you're, like, this uber-strong dude that can, like, level up your health and stuff later, but you have to be pretty good at the combat to be able to, like, yeah. knock out the early Iron Knuckles and the Stalfos. Yeah. And then Death Mountain just, like, kicks your butt. It's, Cause that's, it's hard. Yeah, that's one of the things that I notice about the game is, like, as much as you level up, like, it feels like you level up health and you've gone from being two-shot to being 2.1-shot. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's, it's like not quite, that much of a help. yeah it's not that much of an upgrade it's like why did I even bother yeah that's so, difficult Zelda yeah. 2 is um, Zelda 2 is tough it's the black sheep of the series too because at that point you had you had Zelda and then it's like well it's the second game but we're gonna try and do something different whereas like every other game since then was like we don't really want to do something different. We kind of just want to make it like the first game. I mean, well, Majora's Mask could be like considered a black sheep too. Another black sheep too, yeah. 
it's funny though because i feel like for one reason or another every game in the zelda series could be considered the black sheep depending on how you look at it yeah but because the zelda the zelda series really just jumps all over the place with whatever the you know whoever the director is or or the particular team involved is just like this is what we're doing this time okay you know, sometimes it's even produced by Capcom, and then it's like even <laughs> even more of a, a what's gonna happen. You know, then you get your Minish Cap, and you're like, oh, this still feels like Zelda, but it's it's nothing like Zelda. It's awesome. Yeah, it's this is game. this is one of the things I love most about the Zelda series is it it doesn't really have a grounded this is what Zelda is. It has kind of a couple of overarching. Okay, there's a lot of exploration. And there's a pretty good amount of puzzle solving. And then sometimes there's some pretty good story. And sometimes there's some pretty good this and this. And this, and it's, but it's it's all over the place. Like, even if you looked at the like art Mario, style. Man. Like, if you look at a piece of artwork of Malon from Ocarina of Time. And Terran from Link's Awakening. Link from Wind Waker. And Ilya from Twilight Princess and you'd never heard of a Zelda game, you would never guess that those four characters are from the same series. Sure. Never. Right? Yeah. They're very different. Like, maybe Malon and Ilya, but... Yeah. Even then, like, it's it's a little bit of a stretch. It's like... Even the art style changes literally just on a whim. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the things I love about Zelda is you just can never expect where it's going to go next. Like, sometimes it's just like, we're going to have a Hyrule Warriors sequel that's canon. <laughs> what? That, that broke the internet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was, like, freaking out at that, that when and that, that was and announced. And that broke the internet. You know, we had um, Xbox dropping stuff. We had PS5 dropping and then, oh, like, Nintendo's like, here's a sandwich. And it just, like... <laughs> it was a good sandwich. Hyrule Warriors is maybe canon now. What? And yeah. Coming out, too. Like, what a deal. Yeah. I love I love it. I love how Nintendo... Nintendo just knows knows the power it wields. Yeah. And it's... It's... It is boss. Yeah. Nintendo's one of those Nintendo girls power. that's hot to know it. Mm-hmm. Nintendo. Nintendo's uh, hot. How do you know Nintendo's not a guy? It's a it's a hot girl and she knows it, but it's not a hot guy and she and he knows it. I mean, they could be. Like if Nintendo was a guy or a girl, I would probably do them. The secret <laughs> to being hot <laughs> is just deciding that you're hot. It's true. True. I thought that line might have been the podcast ender for sure. I, I, I thought about it, and then I was like, wait, hold on. Are we going to go dirtier from here? What's going on? I was, like, analyzing the situation, so I held off for a second. So I was like, hold, okay. So, so, so are we going dirtier, or should I just, like, find an awkward medium and cut it off? That's, that's, that's all I got. <laughs> I cut myself off. You can't cut yourself off on Drink to the Past. This is a drinking podcast. I knocked over my shot glass. Look at this really giant cheeseburger. (laughs) I will fucking drink to that. 
I had a cheeseburger probably close to that size one time. I, I had a gift card that my brother gave me. He moved to Las Vegas and he was like, hey, I have this gift certificate that I won in a trivia contest once. Do you want it? And it's like a $75 gift certificate to this place. And I went to this pub and they had a, like a build your own cheeseburger thing. And on the cheese list, they literally had like 25 kinds of cheeses. And I was just like, give me all of them, except for blue cheese. <laughs> Fuck you, blue cheese. All of them? All of the cheese. All the cheese? Yeah, I'll, I'll, find oh a, God, I'll find the picture and I'll, I'll link it to you guys. Oh. It was oh just like, God. it's just like, it's a cheeseburger, seriously, like almost the size of my head. And like three quarters of it is just different slices of cheese. It's like fucking provolone and Swiss and goat cheese and... and <laughs> just like what are all these cheeses i've never even heard of some of these but put them on <laughs> yeah my, one of my favorite sets of pictures is uh one of my best friends trevor um when i went to go hang out with her the first time in long island funny enough um we went to a wendy's to get a uh just just get some lunch and he got you know their their largest burger possible the triple and it was like the size of his head and I have before and after pictures of, like, him looking at it before, and the, he had this expression of, like, I guess I'm doing this. And then an <laughs> after of him, like, sweating and defeated and just a broken man with, like, a quarter of a burger still left. <laughs> Aww, it it's broke so him. funny. Does his last name start with an M? No, it does not. It starts with a P. I'll take off my hat to you. You almost just blew Kevin's mind. I was like... Like, what, at the Wendy's that him and I have probably gone to? <laughs> Dude. No, is, uh... Fuck, what? I don't know, I was in the generation shit. in high school where I had a bunch of disposable income, so I remember when they introduced the Baconator, and when they introduced it, it was only available in triple. That, <laughs> that was, like, the size of Baconator. They, they didn't have... The single Baconator and the double Baconator and the triple Baconator. They had the Baconator, and it had three fucking pieces of meat and nine fucking pieces of bacon. That was it. That was the Baconator. So, that's how I grew up growing, eating Baconators. Did you count the bacon to make sure there was nine pieces? Uh, I did the first time. After that, I was just like, fuck it, whatever. I would definitely be counting my bacon. Yeah, just make sure. Like, I paid nine fucking bucks for this meal. I better have nine pieces of bacon. Smithtown. He was from Smithtown. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's so in Long Island, do you guys just call it tea? <laughs> no, we call it Long Island iced tea. What? Doesn't that feel like superfluous? Is that, is that like a guy in China calling like sesame chicken just food? Did you have American cheese on your cheeseburger? Well, fuck, you got mm. me there. <laughs> I mean, of all people, I guess I am the man that eats a Denver omelet the most. Sure. <laughs> Sounds like a thing. Yeah. Um. It's it's Long Island iced tea. It's like that's all we. I have. thought about making an omelet before the podcast because <laughs> I was like, I've got to do four shots and drink at least one beer. I better have something to eat before this podcast. And I, I made bacon and eggs instead of an omelet, and it was it was Welcome fucking. Welcome to Long great. Island. We have iced tea and Montauk Point. And that's about yeah. it. We have bagels and pizza. 
Okay, some, somebody say something awkward so I can cut off the podcast, please. I've got two copies of Twilight Princess HD on the Wii U.